Gore fiends and horror hounds. This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I always am by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good. Also joined by intern Corey and Brandon ah. from the Black Lagoon. Ha! Ah, I got the first intro again. It's the second time, man. I I, I want to renew my contract. I thought if I thought I did the other way around that last time, that's why I did Corey first. <laughs> it's okay. I know where I sit on the podcast now. It's fine. Okay, don't worry, Brandon. It's just. Because Brett's in that Tim Robinson set of, uh, state of mind still. <laughs> I thought I was going to get eaten. So we're going to do our second half of our top 100 list. If you don't know, like, look like a week or two ago, we put up the first half of this, and this will be our 50 through number one. I'm not going to explain the rules again. They were explained last time. You guys know the deal. This is the second half. More efficient. All right. So starting with number 50... We have Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Definitely was not supposed to be nearly as big as this movie was. The Again, I'm trying to keep the semi-spoiler free. So I'll say it's a fun summer camp slasher with the weirdest last 20 seconds out of any movie that was coming out at that time. It's been out for 40 years. You can spoil it. <laughs> no, I don't. Sleepaway Camp isn't like Carrie last time where I'm like, no, everyone knows Carrie. Like, that one, I think you could still go into fresh Fair. if you didn't know and get that ending. I'm going to say most people know the ending. Well, and Felissa Rose, all the times that we've, we've met her like three times now. And a lot of times you go to cons or any of these type of things and you meet someone like one time. There's a reason we met her three times. She's just so nice. And every time you talk to her, like last time she lied to us, it was like, oh yeah, I remember you guys. It's like, oh, thanks for being nice and lying. But yeah, she's always just like, so, so nice. <laughs> You're that weirdo with the Greg Sestero flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're that weirdo with the yeah. order. Um, a little lesser known talked about things from Sleepaway Camp. I love the foul-mouthed little cousin who is just swearing and screaming at everyone through the entire movie. <laughs> and attends you the, down, you motherfuckers! Yeah, and attends the social in his little dapper cowboy outfit and everything. There's other little things besides the obvious that everyone jumps to to make this movie fun. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, toddler and child swearing in this top 50 list. I'm very happy with this. Yes. <laughs> I personally enjoy the the summertime fashions uh, of sleepaway. <laughs> yeah, we can't ignore the barely there shorts that all the men counselors are wearing in this movie. Oh yeah, the shortest shorts on a man ever, where it's just like the balls somehow are underneath where the pant legs are, but they're not hanging out. <laughs> I think for our next live appearance, we should all dress up as sleepaway camp counselors. This is the ideal uh, alpha male physique, guys. Right. <laughs> The the closest one I could cosplay is the cook, and I don't want to cosplay the cook. <laughs> yeah, number fifty sleepaway camp. At number forty nine, we have Hellraiser. We have such sights to show you. Absolutely love it. It's a classic. Mm -hmm. You think about Hellraiser, you immediately think like, oh, Pinhead, the Cenobites and all that. You forget about the first one. They show up, but it's like like very sparingly. It's like at the end. It's all about just like. This guy, like, coming back from hell, and how's that going to happen? And it's disgusting and drippy. It's one of those movies, too, where 
less is more. And there's a lot of that in this list as well. Those first couple movies in a series that they don't really rely too much on the scary thing that it's known for. And it really plays well to the story. You said this was about this a, a guy coming back from hell. I think you could have just dropped the back from hell part. Oh, he raises from hell. That one. Yeah. No, this this is such a sexually charged movie. Oh yeah. That without somehow without like not a ton of nudity or anything, but yet it's just like the sexual tension in this movie could be cut with a knife. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And this is like you guys were saying, this is before we got like, oh, one of the Cenobites is a video camera. This one shoots CDs. Like it didn't go extreme towards that point at this yeah that's still like scary chatter and the fat guys <laughs> have representation with butterball love butterball that's right you leave cd centibite alone He's they're awesome. goofy they're goofy and you know it i'm not saying it's not goofy i'm just saying it's awesome doesn't mean it's not fun i do love hellraiser 3 sadly not on this list but man i love hellraiser 3 so much that's kind of when they like the, there's a line right there at Hellraiser three. And there's the, all the rest of them afterwards that it's like, we have half a script, throw Cenobites in it. Hmm. Let's go. Everything after Sen after Hellraiser three up to Hellraiser 2020. Well, yeah, the remake ish thing. Yeah. At number 48, we have a movie that Greg absolutely hates. Like Greg hates this movie so much. <laughs> we have, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. An absolute 10 of a movie. A 10 of a 10 of a movie. Perfect. Anyone that would... it's If you're not first, you're last. It's that thing. Again, I don't hate this movie. I like this movie quite a bit. I gave it a very favorable rating of a 9 or a 9.5. I don't know. But still, I, I like this movie a lot. And it, so many people think I don't like this movie now because of you two assholes. I'm like, no, I like this movie. He hates it. It's not movie. I don't think it's a horror movie, though. It's science fiction. But you think about where it's like the Christmas time. There, What's that one movie that they play like 24 hours a day? Terrifier 3. Christmas Story? Yeah. Um, for Halloween, this is the version of that where there's channels that will play Rocky Horror on a 24-hour oh, yeah. loop. And it's just so much fun. So, yes, it counts. I would also like to point out, it's impossible to determine the difference between horror and sci-fi. I know I've gone on this rant before, because <laughs> Frankenstein, which we would all agree is horror, is also the beginning of science fiction. So we yeah. can't really split the difference between the two genres. Also, Tim Curry showing back up on the list. Yes, yes he does. And I think Brandon just more wanted to sing the song. I did. That's well, fair. I can keep going. Doing, are we talking about the original one or the one, the remake that Fox put out that's like so much better? Oh God! I remember when that came out, and I was so happy and excited. I was like, "Oh, Rocky Horror!" And then I watched like a quarter of it, and I was like, "Bullshit!" I turned it off and put the real version in angrily. It's a modern day remake. What were you expecting? I don't know. I was still naive. Somewhere in the world, there is a tape of intern Corey auditioning for a school play to singing science fiction double feature, and I will make it my life's mission to find this tape. Oh. I did audition for a musical my senior year on science fiction double feature, and I did not get it because I can't sing. But we'll get, the, we'll get our hands on this someday. Were you wearing the full getup and everything? No. Oh, no. that's sad. 
Science fiction. <laughs> Why does Gorin sound like a monster? Because he's giant. He doesn't talk like that. He's got to sound like Goliath, obviously. Double feature science fiction. Good. I tried to sing it in falsetto, which made it all the worse. Perfect. Perfect. Well, while Greg looks for that, we got number 47 coming in at Saw 1. It's a movie that proves you don't need a billion dollars to make a movie and it be good and successful. It's literally a two-week turnaround time of a movie. The premise sets it up so much. So, it's so fun what it sets up for the future and it makes you want to see what Jigsaw does next. And that is one of the top twists of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I in, I, have, I have such an up and down with this whole Saul franchise. The first well, you know. one I do enjoy. I like the first one. Mm-hmm. The, but and like you said, they could go for like one more story afterwards because that's where we got Saul X because that's an in-between story. Then you can quit. You're good. Major point. I will say I'm very excited to see where Brett goes with this series coming up with uh, Saw 3 in March. <clears throat> um Am I going to have another broken movie to add to my shadow box collection? Or you can have at least nine it? more, yes. I yes. don't know. I want to say this about Saw, is I think Saw has, no joke, if I was like making a list of the best twists at ends of movies, Saw's in that like top for me. Dude, everyone knows that scene at the end. Like it's still, and like even when you watch it and you know that twist, it's still such a good build to oh, it. Yeah. It holds up well on a rewatch even after you've seen it originally. Oh, absolutely. Um, because that I would actually say that the twist in Saw may may be the greatest twist ending of any any horror movie. Of any hmm. We can have that conversation for sure. It's in there. It's very high up for sure. Guy lays on floor. Yeah, dead guy lays oh, on floor. What are the odds that Tobin fucking Bell is the guy they get for that? Well, I don't understand. <laughs> What I was just thinking, I saw the one meme online. It was like when you get hired to like lay on the floor for two weeks in some indie horror movie. Yeah, now exactly. you're like a horror icon. <laughs> well, coming in at number 46, we have a personal favorite of mine and my favorite vampire movie of all time. We have The Lost Boys. Sweaty, sexy sax fan. Oh, so great. <laughs> this is the most 80s, cool, like just dripping in 80s movie to ever come out, if you ask me. I don't know. Dude, I put it on so many times throughout the year. I just watched it a few weeks ago. Again, I had it on while I was doing stuff. Um, I can't say enough good things about this movie. Anyone who's listened to this podcast for enough, for long enough will know that. I, I think more movies should have saxophone solos. I agree. I agree. Uh, it's a great movie, um, but it is a little tainted because it gave us uh, a career for Corey Feldman. Um, but other than that, it's fantastic. Uh, Corey Feldman was already Corey Feldman was already around. We we were watching. Um, we had our yearly Christmas season Gremlins watch last night, and there's baby Corey Feldman in there. I he was already he was in here. There. I yeah. forgot yeah. he was in that. Okay, you're gonna say that like Goonies doesn't exist. The Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Yeah, he's, he's always there. You can't stop the Feldman. <laughs> no, but Lost Boys is one that the podcast, I had seen it before, I believe, before the podcast, but then I was kind of forced to watch it because it always reminded me of like, I'm very particular with my 
vampires. I like my dark gothic vampires, not sparkly glam rock vampires. But these ones actually I do enjoy. They're still at least vicious and stuff. It's not just like, I'm so tortured. Fred's more of a Team Jacob fan. We already knew that. Exactly. I don't know. He's like 18, so who knows what they're doing. <laughs> no one knows how old Brandon is, we always realize. <laughs> he's like perpetually like 20, even though he's like two <laughs> years younger than me. We I'm always okay with that. <laughs> well, at number 45, we have a movie that well, I remember seeing the trailer, and I went, bullshit movie, looks like a stupid fucking haunted house movie. Oh, who made it? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely not going to see it. And then I just happened to Liz and I went to a wedding and then we wanted to like we got out early and then we were like, well, we don't want to just stay like at the house we're staying at because we want to get away from everyone. We went to the theater to go see it. It was like, oh, this is like Basket Case. I love Basket Case. Yeah, Malignant is amazing. I as a fan of James Wan, it pains me to say this. I was really excited to see it. I don't think it's a great movie. But it's fun enough to watch it and just they're having fun with the camera angles that it makes it an enjoyable watch. Put the I think down. Malignant is fantastic. I love Malignant so much. I didn't expect much at all because the trailers made it look like Brett said a generic haunted house movie with yeah. some kind of twist or something like that. And even the beginning of the movie like really subverted that for me. Like it sets it up like there's a shadowy figure you see and everything. Mm -hmm. And then holy shit there's the jail cell scene is all i will say yeah and i was like oh my god i mean <laughs> he and brett talked about malignant for like two years straight yeah like, that's all he'll talk about was malignant i love this movie he's speaking through the radio rays like and then there's like for some reason there's like 70s like disco lady in the jail cell along with like <laughs> stereotypical none like, of it makes driver. sense and then but, but so like i know they're kind of teasing now the child's play versus um megan thing i want um gabriel versus belial from basket case so bad <laughs> I absolutely somehow like belial's back on Dwayne. Dwayne sewed him back on again and so they are like working as a unit uh this is one i watched because of because, like, every time we would record, you guys would be like, have you seen this movie? No. It looks stupid. It's not stupid. You should watch it. It looks stupid. I'm not going to do it. So one night I'm bored. I'm like, I'm going to watch this stupid thing so they shut up about it. And then I got shut up about it. Oh, there was a, quite a while where this was my immediate go-to of like, oh, hi, I'm Brett. Nice to meet you. Have you seen Malignant? Like, <laughs> but that was an interview question for me for, like, a couple of our guests. Like, did I ask Lloyd Kaufman if he had seen Malignant? I don't remember if you asked Lloyd. I know it came up with some others, though. Yeah. I think the fact that it's stupid is what plays to its benefit. I think I think that works for the movie as a whole. And my favorite part of the movie is still, that house is not that big. Like, no. space no. does not work that way. No. Number 44. It's listed as Nose 3. Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Welcome to Primetime, Bitch, my favorite line in any horror movie. Uh, it's a movie that made me afraid to kiss people when I was 10, so uh, there's that. After a weirdness that happened in Nightmare 2, Dream Warriors kind of brings back the fun death scenes again and adds more of that weirdness to Freddy's dead nun mom coming back as a ghost and giving plot, something like that. It's a lot of fun. It's the second best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. All I have to say is... 
fuck this series. It's a dumb series. I hate fuck it. Friday the 13th. I'd pro- Nightmare 2 is probably the best one out of any of them. Nightmare no, 2? You know you can like both, right? You, you no. can like Friday and Nightmare. There's no rules saying I, you can't. All of us like... No, pick a side, Nancy. <laughs> but anyway, I think Nightmare 3 is fantastic. I wish they kept this going, but they were stupid in the next one and just yep. undid everything great yep. they set up in this yep. one, I'll just say. I'll leave it at that. But at that aside, Nightmare 3 is such like a cool ensemble let's build up a team in a horror movie that works really well and it's not without its cheesiness and i appreciate it more for that like i'm the wizard king is fucking hilarious i won't say that that's good but in the ways that i love a lot of these things where they're not good i love it i'm bad <laughs> i'm beautiful and bad <laughs> <laughs> powers blades. Oh, oh oh you got a lightning staff yeah i got i got switchblade I will say, this is probably the last truly good Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. good. I'll agree with that. Until I, I'm one of the few people, and I'll admit, I did like New Nightmare. Yeah. New Nightmare's interesting. I, I flip-flop on it, but no. It's, yeah, it's I definitely agree. not my favorite, but I do like it as a meta horror. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. I, I think this is, as much as I love Freddy and like the premise of Freddy... One, three, and New Nightmare are the only ones that are really good. Yeah. The other ones are just so stupid that I can enjoy watching them kind of thing. I mean, let us not discount the short-lived TV series, Freddy's Nightmares. <laughs> now, don't forget the reboot. How oh, have we yeah, not that... mentioned... How have we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street 3 this long and not mentioned the song? <laughs> you mean the only good song Dawkin ever did? The only thing that could have made it better would be a saxophone solo. I yeah. argue yeah. that Dawkins has never had a good song, but at least this one has this fun memory attached to it. <laughs> I'll concur with that. Yeah. It's at least a fun song. It's a fun song. I'm not going to say good. Fuck Dawkins. Um, up next, we have another three movie. Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. My personal favorite Halloween movie. The only one I really go back to, honestly. Really? Like, I understand the series is great. There are no flaws with the series. It's not the series, it's me. But yeah, this is my favorite one of them. Absolutely, 100%. Well, there's plenty of flaws with the series, and I love Halloween. But you don't have to say that. There are plenty of flaws in the series, believe well, me. Well, it's been a while since you watched four. It's okay. No, no, trust me, Corey. Everyone knows that you hate the Halloween series because I, you said it on a YouTube channel with over 400,000 subscribers. Actually, I went back and I watched that video, and at no point did I say I hated it. I said it's not my favorite. And I even said, I understand why people like it. I'm in the comments defending us. People are like, what kind of horror podcast doesn't like Halloween? Like, That's just him! That's just him, not us! The views expressed by Corey are not our own. I released a statement for us. I saw it in the comments. We have to do damage control, intern. This is why you're an intern. No, three is so great. I wish that they had because I like one Halloween one and two. Now I like how they're going. Like this was supposed to be start of the anthology series. Every movie was yeah. going to be different, and then eventually maybe you could get back to Michael. You could. For, there's no reason you couldn't. But we have all these other stories you could do. And they went, no, there's no Michael in it. Which is, it's so great, the next one. It's like, the return of Michael Myers. He's coming back, guys. Don't worry. This, this is the last one, I think, that 
kind of made sense in the timeline before we just split into 14 different timelines. And I, I really, like you said, I, I think I said it before too, I really wish they would have kept going with this anthology and maybe yeah. hopefully in the future they will. Um, yeah. But I, I, yeah, the return to Michael thing, I, I just, I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity and yeah, hopefully we get more. All I can say is comments like what happened at Swankapalooza or what happens when I don't get my chicken. <laughs> Stop Halloween it. 3 and the whole anthology thing I think could have worked if Halloween 2 never existed because Halloween yeah, 2 yeah. set up it's sure. going to be the continuation of the Michael story so if you would have this would have been the second one history could have been changed and it could have been an anthology now my other thoughts on it it was just a fun movie on its own yeah. like Tom Atkins is just killing it in this role but I think it's time guys it's 2023 that we can stop acting like you know what? Halloween 3 is actually a pretty cool movie. Isn't yeah. a hot take anymore. Yeah. Maybe no, we can not. say, you know, the horror world has accepted this fact. And to the point, as much as I love this movie, it's starting to almost get overblown with the, like, second... No, guys, it's great! Like It's God, all the Defenders, yeah. I love it. It's great. But, like, if I had to hear one more person think they're the first person to tell me Halloween 3 is actually a good movie, I'm going to go insane. It's definitely a cult classic. It's one of those movies that doesn't get appreciation until years later. And had they kept going with just Michael, we would have never got... And that would be a shame. That would be a loss. Exactly. My ringtone every year. Like you said, Greg, about it's almost overplayed now and over-hyped. To where like I'm starting to hear people say like yeah I thought this was supposed to be like one of the most amazing movies ever it wasn't that great exactly no it's supposed to be kind of like a, a little bit higher end version of like a B movie kind of thing it doesn't make a whole lot of sense it's just Tom Atkins is horny and drunk it has like a Tales from the Crypt story feel to it you know what yeah. I mean? yeah which and I love Tales from the Crypt it's one of my yeah. favorite things so yeah well, moving on to number forty two we have. Sean of the Dead. Go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. The best zombie parody that's done with love enough to the point that it does it just as good as most of the other zombie movies, like the greats. This movie's so much fun. I think that the setting it in England helps so much because, let's be real, when a zombie movie takes place in America, we're America, we have guns everywhere. Half of the fun in this movie is the makeshift weapons and throwing <laughs> records and yes. things like this and how they are not equipped to handle a zombie apocalypse is half the fun of this movie. Oh, this movie's like infinitely re- rewatchable. Like mm-hmm. you could watch this every day for a month and it's one of those movies that I'd be like, okay, I've probably done it before where it's just like, I feel like Shaun of the Dead again because it's just so funny. I love the, the creative team of all them together. And then like you were saying, Greg, it's to the point of there's no guns. They know where one gun is in like the exactly. whole city and they got to make yeah. their way there. That's the first like, Get to the gun. <laughs> one gun. For, for a mostly comedy movie, it's so smart and it, the script, it, it's so fun to watch and it's so, it, it makes me laugh every time because everything is just set up so well. It's Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, super top of their game movie it's one of my favorites by them like to me this is absolutely this is this is the horror movie that monty python would have made yeah, had monty yeah. python made a horror movie and like because i love that the the dry british humor in it 
just the you know this the whole this it's so british the stiff upper lip the you know we're rattled but we're not and it's they do the right thing that horror comedy should do is you got your funny characters your Abbott and Costello but then you have your Dracula that's played completely like uh they're not for laughs whatsoever played completely straight so the zombies are still horrible and malicious and when they get a hold of you they're still going to tear you apart but you might be having a fun queen montage right beforehand or something like that's what yeah. the best horror comedies do this is one of those movies too that if somebody's first getting into horror, this is what I would recommend to them because it's an easy in. There's something for everybody. You got the comedy, you got the the scary, the blood gore, you got the drama, especially when the mom gets bit and all that fun stuff. It, it, yeah, it's it's perfect all around. Also, it's just a great slacker movie, which I'm also I'm always a huge fan of. Yeah, yeah. like your Bill and Ted, Small Rats, Harold and Kumar. It it fits right in there with those too. Like you could honestly put that in with any of those kind of movies, and it fits. Oh, you have two kind of scruffy guys. One of them might be a little overweight. They're sitting on a couch together, just bullshitting. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Oh, that, that sounds like somebody we know. <clears throat> hey! Could describe this whole podcast. <laughs> we were going just recording. What's the hate for? I was going to say, we all kind of started to shift in our seats of like, I did. We're all looking like, what's the one you're talking about? <laughs> I didn't basically build my look off of Sean. That's not why I have the goatee. Number 41 is the movie that made me realize that less is more. We have Alien, the original Alien movie. The, the aliens in the movie, I think, for what, four minutes in the entire yeah. movie? But it's the creepiest fucking thing I've ever thought of. It's, it's, it's short, sweet, and fucking terrifying every time he's on screen. And you get so terrified by just, like, the sounds, the acid dripping through the floor. You know he can kill you with his blood. The claustrophobia of the vents. It's just... A perfect tension builder movie. Well, you're talking about less is more. I thought you were talking about Sigourney Weaver's pubes. They had to airbrush out. I, well, yeah, dude. Yeah. I um, love that that came out this year. How wild is that? Can I just <laughs> share this fun fact with everybody? <laughs> that Sigourney Weaver refused to shave down there, and it cost them thousands of dollars to digitally take that out. Did you see someone photoshopped it back? Someone said, like, "I wonder what it looked like," and he put it back. This is why we have fan edits; they're important. <laughs> like this movie, to me, is an example of a haunted house movie done to perfection. Yeah, definitely. My well, thing, me and Brett did Alien. It was just us on the episode a little while ago, and don't hate us. We both said it's really good. It's not as I think the franchise overall is better than just the singular movie Alien. Yeah. If you ask me, um, and Aliens is kind of like it's T2. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The yeah. Huge, well, James huge. Cameron, you know. Yeah, but you need James Alien to get there. Cameron. And even that said, it's still horrifying, like, scenes. Mm-hmm. In. Like, the chest burst scene, I don't know how we haven't even mentioned yet, is the wildest shit. Oh, yeah. Like, it's been parodied to death. Like, hello, my baby. But yeah, I know. <laughs> but still, like, but... Going back to that breaking out of a chest is something you never thought you saw. It's terrifying. It like lays an egg down your throat and breaks out. It's ugh, I don't like it. And where like we there's like this giant alien spaceship they find in the movie with like the space jockey, and that's like so cool at its by itself. But it's almost kind of brushed away as like a background thing, yeah, which I love when movies do that. It's like there's layers up to this world. It, it actually feels lived in. It's not exactly. like how many of these like um low 
rent sci-fi movies do you watch and it's like everything's perfectly shiny and like perfect it's like no fuck that up make it look like space truckers that's what they are exactly it's it's that time period of like the 70s and 80s where everything is practical and it's beautiful effects the set feels lived in it's so it's futuristic without being too far in the future to put it out of people's minds yeah well number 40 we've got the second appearance of my man, Charles Lee Ray, Child's Play, the original, you know, hitting it up on number 40 on our list. My favorite. Like, I've I've gushed about this mo- this series, and I'm going to do it some more because it's amazing. Friends to the end. I have never been a fan of Child's Play as a series. I have always loved Chucky, though. I don't know why. I can, I can separate Chucky from the movies. Like, the movies themselves are not good to me i don't enjoy them but i love i will watch clips of chucky all day long child's plays just so much there's like so many little funny lines and it's i gotta tinkle you stay right here yeah. Chucky. and then i love the mom like shaking i'm like speak you son of a bitch like my child is not crazy yeah this like be real <laughs> yeah like by themselves the scenes are so good to me but i just don't know why it doesn't work for me as a whole I think the first Child's Play movie is really interesting, too, because it's honestly the scariest out of all the Child's Play movies. It is. Like it's a straight horror movie. Mm-hmm. And you could have played it, and I'm kind of glad they didn't. I like the way they did play it, but you could have played where us, the audience, where we don't know until a certain point, is it mm-hmm. Andy actually killing these people, or is it Chucky? I'm glad they didn't do it, but I think... Don Mancini didn't direct this one, did he? No, it's um, not Joe Don. Oh. Who did this one? Hold on. The Fright Night dude. Who was that? Tom Holland. Holland. It was Tom Holland. Holland. Yeah, he, yeah, he's who directed this one. And I, I think it's such it. a smart smart way that he did it to not do the, which is it going to be? Is the kid the killer or the doll? Because then we're just scared for the kid the whole movie too, which instantly makes you more nervous than if you're just wondering, is it a killer kid? Yeah. Um, one, I mean, and this, this series is the gift that keeps on giving, not just from, you know, the fact that we have gotten consistent movies out of this series every time something comes out, it's at least decent. Like, I'm not going to call Seed of Chucky a great movie, yes, but it's it fun. I love um, um, But, like, just this year, we got, you know, the Spanish, the, the angry Spanish Chucky <laughs> video going around. <laughs> Why does he sound like Sylvester Stallone in the Spanish version? <laughs> I don't know, but I love it. And this is one of the most consistent horror franchises of all of them. The timeline does not change yeah. in this franchise at all. Yeah. No, yeah. It's continuity porn yeah. for sure. I love it. Mm-hmm. And Brad Dorf is so great. Like his voice yeah. is great. His acting is great. Even like later movies where it's like He's supposed to be playing before Child's Play, but it's like 20 years later, so he looks so much older. But he's just playing like the actual like Charlie Ray as a person. And that's even great. He looks like Sam Kinison, kind of, with the big coat. <laughs> I love the fact that they now, in the series, they have his daughter playing young Charles Lee Ray. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, she's great, too. She's funny. I love that she's like part of it now. Yeah. Well, speaking of series that never change uh, continuity, we have number 39. Um, so, listen. Dun, dun, dun. Listen. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. Do you want me to have a good time? Do you want me to enjoy Always. myself? Do you want me just to kick back, relax, and just enjoy my time with you? 
Look at Brett's uh, face right huh? now. Just turning into a bigger and bigger scowl the longer you go on. Do you want me to just sit there and and, and love the blood and gore and the, the genius of the traps? Pop on Saw 2. Saw 2 is my favorite Saw movie of all time. It's not the best. I will give it to you, Brett. It's not the best in terms of story, but it's just so much fun. Like the characters are playing off of each other so well. The traps are are are, are enjoyable. The needle pit is my favorite in all the series, like uh, the bar none, the best trap in the entire series. And the ending where it takes place, where the first one began and 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 was set, is genius. And I, I love the twist with Amanda. Still not as good as the first twist, but it, it's an acceptable twist. I, I, I saw two is great. I agree. Saw 2 is my favorite Saw movie. So, yeah, no, 100%. This deserves its spot on this list, if not higher. But Brett, how do you feel? No matter <laughs> what. Like, usually if I watch a movie, like, I can finish the movie. Or, like, afterwards, I'm like, I don't feel like breaking things. Like, the only, there's only one movie I ever walked out of the theaters for, and that was American Ultra, because Kristen Stewart doesn't actually act. She just stands there. She's a wall. Um. And there's only one movie that I've ever taken it out of the DVD player and immediately broke because I was so angry at it. And now it's a part of a memorial that is in a box. To the point. To the point that I have to now buy you every Saw movie that I ever see just so I can see that box get filled up. Well, that's not every Saw movie deserves to be broken and put in the box. I like one. I liked X. We'll see what I think about three. Two is so god fucking awful. It's fucking (laughs) stupid muscle man. Who, where he's just jock man, just run around, just punch things. Look at the fucking needle. You can get the fucking needle. He's still fucking in there. You're talking about the traps. The one lady just walks into the one room and grabs like a tape recorder. It was like, man. Oh, look. She's needle. over it at that point. It's <laughs> genius. Grabs it. It's genius. Both hands. Just, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to. Oh, there's a number on the back of my neck. Who's going to read it to you if you kill all of us? Oh, yeah. I'm going to cut it off myself. How that was not planned. He, he thought of that on his own. It's great. How do you know you're cutting right where the number is supposed to be? <laughs> Doesn't now matter. It's, now it's slippery with blood. The number came off. And then he throws it in his pocket. <laughs> if your son is in a safe place. <laughs> the, it's the only, so smart. He's such best, a troll. I love him. The best part was seeing Jigsaw get the shit beat out of him there for a minute. And he looked scared. Now... As much as I hate to agree with Brandon, this is the best of the franchise. Like, I actually really, really like this movie. Um, It's after Saw 3 that it starts to fall off for me. Like, Saw Saw 4, I actively did not like. Wait, we need to just... just, I'm partying with the B team tonight. We're all in agreement right now. As soon as Corey agreed with us, Brett just finished the rest of his drink. That was beautiful. (laughs) Well, because nobody expects me and you to agree on anything. But That's no, like, I, I, I love Saw 2. It is my favorite of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. The traps are fun. Like, it's just a not a great movie, but it's a fun, good yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, whenever I unlock a door, I always look through the people at the same time. Don't, don't you have a bad ear? Oh, we're nitpicking I, now. Go watch the episode. I will say, yeah, we have an episode on Saw 2. If you want to see Brett get angry for even longer for a full length of an episode, please go listen to that one. Ending with the destruction of the movie. I love the fact that when Brett gets angry, he just says what's going on in the movie in his voice. If I can explain the plot of the movie in a mocking tone, it's bad. 
Dracula ride it on a boat. He went to he went to England and beat a bunch of people. You can do it with good movies too, Brett. No, Brett, what's number thirty-eight? A good number two, not a piece of shit number two like Soul Two, <laughs> Terrifier Two. Dealing with other kinds of shit though, every once in a while. But Art the huh? Clown came back. Uh, I remember when this first came out, and like we were kind of looking at it, and it was like it's two and a half hours long. What the? F- who the fuck do they think they are? I'm gonna watch this like one time because I'm not gonna sit through that length of a movie over and over again. No, it was like I immediately like wanted to watch it again. It does not feel the runtime. It's so well done. It seems like if all the time we had in between the two like really paid off, and for what they did with like what two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like, oh yeah, holy shit. Oh, God. Again, oh. another one of those independent movies that makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> Terrifier came out and everyone started getting their tattoos of Art yeah. the Clown and they're putting them up on the Mount Rushmore up there with Michael and Jason and shit and Leatherface. I'm like, no, no, no. He hasn't earned that yet. He took a fucking massive jump forward with Soul to- with uh, Terrifier 2. Ah, you got Soul in the brain now, huh? Yeah, I got shit in the brain. <laughs> I think Terrifier 2 is the best slasher movie in at least 20 years, if you ask me. I don't think a straight-up slasher has held a candle to what Terrifier 2 gave us last year when it came out. Art deserves his spot. Maybe not on the, like, the Mount Rushmore, but on, like, the modern Mount Rushmore. You know, I would say, like, Mount Rushmore, like, a bunch of presidents. Fuck it, put Art the Clown up there. Yeah. No, I meant, like, the horror Mount Rushmore. Oh, okay. It's right next to the, it's right next to the pro wrestling Mount Rushmore. I got I got to say I have to thank you Greg for convincing me to even check out the Terrifier series this year for Halloween. I was not going to watch this series. Greg said check out the bedroom scene from Terrifier 2 and I was like I'm in. Let's let's watch all of them and I've watched it at least 5 times since then and it, it's just so much fun. The scene of art with the sunflower glasses on and then the like the <laughs> googly eye glasses just running around it's amazing. He's so fun. Dude, art's terrifying. He's so slow and menacing but having the yeah. best time with what he yeah. does and, he and I think that's a- what makes it. He's not like Michael where he's terrifying like just on a kill mission all the time. Yeah. He's playing patty cake with ghost children he, as he's cutting you to pieces. It's great. Yeah. And he doesn't say a fucking thing in the entire series. He won't even laugh. He won't chuckle. Nothing. He is like dedicated to that role and it works so fucking well. Well, he silently laughs. Well, yeah. 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 There's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, pointing and, and, and miming laughing. Like I just remember when you watched this movie, Brandon, our group chat was just Brandon, Yes. Recapping every single second of the movie. I have a bad habit of getting drunk when I watch a movie and then just like commentating the entire thing. Oh, that no, little like, girl. Oh my god. Can we talk about the she little was girl? Great. Yeah. Well, Fantastic. Art sees her for the first time and is almost confused by her himself. Yeah. Where he's like, what? And then she shits herself. It's like, I like you. Yes. Well, coming in at number 37 in a row, we have Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs was kind of a turning point for horror as far as, like, the awards go. First horror movie to get... Did it win or did it just get nominated? I think it won, like, a bunch at the Oscars that year and everything. I don't think it was the first, but it did win a couple, yeah. It a long time that did. And it got major mainstream recognition and kind of wouldn't really be replicated until you get like your Jordan Peele's and stuff later on, like years later, but was kind of one of those awesome movies where people are like, 
You know, there's actually something to this more than blood, guts, and tits. Which, don't get me wrong, I love blood, guts, and tits. But it was nice to see it recognized by something. Yeah. If we're if we're going to make a Mount Rushmore for just creepy characters, a separate Mount Rushmore, Hannibal Lecter is definitely up there. Oh, and, how many Mount Rushmores are we making? We need more mountains. And as much as people poo-poo on horror movies and stuff like that, Horror movies are some of the most quotable movies of all time. Just, it puts the lotion on its skin. Everybody knows that fucking scene. It's it's so great. Uh, I, mean, I love this movie so, so much. Like, every, like, fall. Like, this is a really good fall watch for yeah. me. Yeah. And it's like, I watch it, like, so often. Like, I have it on uh, DVD and VHS. I got my VHS copy. That's one of my go-to VHSs to throw in. And I loved it so much. I was like, I need to read this book. Rarely does that happen. Yeah. Whereas, like, I need to read the source Such material. a good series, too, and yeah. Even the book's great. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and we, where, where we're at, have the benefit, like, we can go and stay in the Buffalo Bill house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's did. like an hour from where I'm currently sitting. The owner knows of us. Yeah. I, yeah. Got, to, I got to exchange oh. cards with him in a very nice. professional business way at a con where he gave me his card. And I went, I have a card for you, sir. <laughs> I witnessed it. It was it was magical. It was what? It, it was wonderful. <laughs> you mean You mean those black and white cards that I printed out on my work? and then cut out with scissors hey yeah. you do what you gotta do over there somewhere and i also don't want to like pass up and talk about how like chilling anthony hopkins is in this movie yeah. Yeah. holy crap is that dude the stuff of nightmares in this it's the image of him just standing in that cell by himself like He's locked away, but he has all the power. You can just tell by the performance. And then just that image of him with the mask on when he's tied to the gurney. So good. Yes. Um, like the the scene where he cuts the the guard's face off and tries to yes. escape. Believe it or not, based on a true story. Oh, that's really? great. I, that actually I feel- happened in 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 a Pennsylvania in in the Pittsburgh uh, state prison back in the seventies, an inmate had cut a captain's face off and tried to walk out the front door in his uniform and his face. Oh, Jesus. Kind of amazing. Look up, look up a man named Danny Delker. It is a true story. Don't notice my extreme weight gain, and I shrunk. I just had a face left. Well, going home to my family. That's the same atrocious aftershave you won court, wasn't it, officer? <laughs> Number 36 is Pearl. No, I'm a star! I didn't have a lot of hope for Pearl when I, when I saw it. I wasn't a big fan of X when it first came out and we went to see it. But Pearl made me go back and watch X again and really like it because now you understand what happened with the horny killer grandma. And... You, you get so happy for her when she gets her revenge. It, it, I'm so excited to see Maxine now. Oh, I love, like, when X came out, like you said, at the very beginning, I was like, eh, it's pretty good. Yeah. And then I came really around to it whenever it came out on Blu-ray. And like, oh, I really loved it. Mm-hmm. And then when Pearl came out so soon, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll go see it. Did not expect to love it anywhere near as much as I did. To where, yeah. spoiler alert for last year's best of episode, it was my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, Ty's Correct. just cranking It was, it was your second last year, by the way. Oh, it was X first? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, they came out the same year, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. they did. He's, he's just cranking this. 
Well, because they sit, they filmed it in secret, which was wild. Because at the end of X, there was a post credit scene, which was an ad for Pearl, and yeah. um, it, like four months later, it was in theaters. I'm like, what mm-hmm. the hell? I'm like, mm-hmm. just, and then I, now I'm mad because Maxine's actually been a normal sequel length. And I'm like, yeah, I, I want it now. Come on, just keep doing this. Yeah. Well, that's when X finished. X finished, and we're like, well, there's no post credit scene for this. What possibly could be a post credit scene? So we yeah. missed it in the theater. And it was like the next day we heard about it, and I was like, fuck, I looked it up online. I was like, god damn it, this is why you always stay. Like <laughs> uh, I admitted in our end of year episode, like, I was not big on Pearl the first time I watched it. I, in fact, I just actively didn't like it. It took a second watch for me. Because I remember in, when we did the end of year episode last year, you guys were gushing about it, and Greg says, "Now here comes the poopy pants." <laughs> I, 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 I actually wound up. I don't remember if it made my top five last year or not, but it was definitely like close. So, do we have opposite reactions then? I didn't like X, and I like Pearl, and you were vice versa. Yeah, yeah, I liked okay. X and didn't like Pearl at first, but now I've okay. come around. Like, I love both of them. Yeah, Mia, Mia Goth really really does this role justice and she's become kind of that modern day horror icon in a lot of things you got in, you got her in these movies infinity pool cure for wellness she's great her performance in this two things when she just gives this unbreaking monologue for like oh god five yes minutes and starts crying in the middle and then the end where credits are rolling on her face where she's holding in a smile is just like turning to madness as the credits are rolling Fucking it's, creepy. The, the Academy will fucking pay for yeah, the yeah. day that she did not win Best Actress. That's all uh-huh. I'm saying. To where I, it goes from her singing and dancing with her farm animal, animals like she's in a Disney cartoon to then Mr. Goose shows up. who's like, what are you doing, Mr. Goose? <laughs> and then where she's the guy that's supposed to like whisk her away from the farm is like kind of freaked out by her. It's like, What's wrong with you? Why did your attitude change? Don't leave me! <laughs> so good. I think the only person that can rival holding a creepy smile to Mia Goth is Florence Pugh in Midsummer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, number 35, we have Friday the 13th Part 2, which is uh... one of the original VHSs from Brett from Dimension Z that I brought from, with my allowance from Suncoast Video. I always love this movie. Um, I actually like it more than the first one. Uh, yeah. This is like really high up for me, this one. I think this one, like, and I'm not going to put in stone because we might do a ranking episode at some point, but it's like second or third favorite for me, somewhere in there, where it's like one of the most rewatched ones for me. It has the best couple in the Friday the 13th series in it. They actually love each other. They actually care. They go on a fun hike. They don't just fuck and then scream. Yeah, love is not really a thing that happens in horror movies, no, and it they, was played they, very well here. <laughs> they fuck, and then they cuddle, and he's, like, really yeah. happy. And then one of them dies. Um, now, as someone who's not a big fan of Friday the 13th, I will say I did, like, two probably the best out of them. Yeah. Um, in terms of story development. Now, in terms of fun to watch, probably still Jason Takes Manhattan. But Friday the 13th Part 2 is where Jason kind of comes into his own. Oh, definitely. He's not a little boy who just pops out of the lake. Yeah. And Zach had Jason, but um, let's I be like Zach had Jason. So, so do I. Like, I. Sundown. Like it definitely took 
let's say, inspiration from Town of the Dreaded Sundown, but yeah. it's still great. It's a very fun, just almost an in-and-out slasher. You could watch this on its own with no, yeah. honestly, seeing the one before or any of the ones after and still enjoy it. I mean, it's definitely the second best of the Friday of the 13th series, with the best being Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. That's right. You know, the absolute goat of the series. But, they just um, say this to make me mad. I know they do. No, no, I legit love part eight. Like it is my favorite. It's but, so like, much fun. Of, of the series, of like you know the serious Friday the Thirteenth movies, this one is definitely my favorite. Coming in at the number, coming in at number thirty-four, The Bride of Frankenstein. Like I love this. Like you can't say enough good things about this movie. Um. I don't like it better than Frankenstein, um, but like they're like, I know the people can't see, but like they're millimeters apart for me. Like, there's not a whole lot of difference in how I feel about these two movies. Frankenstein is so good, and you would think like, how hard would it be to make a sequel, even anywhere near as good, and. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein, like Corey said, like I don't like it more than the original or even Son of Frankenstein. I see them all like perfectly even. Of uh, what mood are you in? Whatever mood you're in, you got the perfect Frankenstein movie to fit your needs. See, I I would say Bride of Frankenstein to me is a little higher than Frankenstein. No offense to Boris, I think Elsa Lancaster is that her name. Um, yeah, I yes. think I think she the way she portrays that character is so much more fun and so much more memorable than Boris in a lot of ways. I think Bride of Frankenstein is the big budget sequel to the smaller budget movie that became a hit when I'm watching it because Frankenstein was the smaller budget. I mean, it still had a good budget. Don't get me wrong for the time, but like you know, a standard budget monster movie that just did awesome. And then when Bride of Frankenstein came out, it was this huge, like, let's throw all the money at it. Let's have these random tiny people for no reason. Let's explode a castle. Let's have him cause havoc through the village. I love this one. It really feels like that movie. Like, okay, we have a hit. Let's go all guns blazing forward. Dr. Pedorius. (laughs) Oh, no, like, it is where I'm surprised that you like the bride so much in the movie brandon because she is in it for like 30 seconds and then shakes her head around yeah like, it's I, memorable. Even, I, love I it. even brought that up in the episode i think i was like yeah she's great and she's memorable she's classic but i don't get like the complete uh, uh, like how people like love her so much she didn't do anything and this is the total I, opposite of less is more because i feel like it would have done a lot better had we had her there's not much of the frankenstein's monster in the first movie either it's very much more so focused on the doctor he does more than just go fair i think the bride sets the tone for so many movies i love later down the road though of the monster woman like return of loving dead three frankenhooker all these kind of movies Hmm. that like you know just this monstrous evil woman thing that i love and those are always some of my favorite movies and it all traces back to bride of frankenstein yeah yeah um yeah there's there's really there's there's nothing you can complain about with this movie but this was Maybe the tiny Whale people. Too, Maybe the tiny people. I don't know. Oh, they're fine. Maybe the tiny people. But this this was James Whale, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the guy the guy doesn't do a whole lot of bad stuff. <laughs> 
Well, coming in at number 33, we have such another classic, especially because it's in the public domain, House yes. on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. This is one of those like movies that you probably don't even remember the first time you saw it because it's almost like you're born and it's like you're immediately shown this movie or clips from it where it's just like it's in our like human nature now of like the skeleton coming out of the acid pit or like the skeleton putting his hand on the lady and she screams or old lady on skateboard. Yes. <laughs> it's just such a classic like what is this the 50s or the 40s? I forget when it came out, but it's just one of those classic early days of cinema movies. Vincent Price being Vincent Price, you can never go wrong with that. And it, like you said, it's public domain now. So every once in a while, I'll get recommended it on YouTube as just a random video. And I have yeah. to watch it every time, at least some of it, because it's just so much fun to watch. And I love the back and forth between him and the wife of they just completely yeah. hate each other. And all they talk about yeah. is murdering each other. <laughs> and like you, uh, Brandon said, like I watched it in October and then last month, Singuli showed it again and i was like well i gotta watch it again of course of course like uh, it's no secret that you know vincent price is my fa- vincent price is my bella lugosi no or, uh, as to brett uh, but like this this was the movie that introduced me to him this was the first time i had ever seen him it's a perfect introduction to him it's the one i showed my kids so that there was their first vincent price you know it's just him chewing scenery and just having a great time. And then there was that, that remake, but I don't want to talk about it. Well, like you just said, this is actually also like a good horror introduction for a younger audience of like, Oh yeah. It's some like kind of creepy parts and whatnot, but it's not going to go over the top and like freak them out and stuff. Yeah. All right. And lucky number 32, this is my boomstick we got army of darkness i mean it's it's just fucking hilarious i mean after evil dead 2 this is what we got i'm i'm very happy with this i will forever think mini bruce campbell followed by good ash bad ash is the funniest thing ever committed to film and i will die on that hill it's just it's endlessly quotable bruce campbell is just bruce campbell times 11 and he's just hamming it up and he's loving it. And I love that Ash just has this constant, I'm so sick of these fucking demons attitude about him, but he's still going along with it. And he's still goofy about it. And it's a, just a beautiful follow-up to Chainsaw Ash. My fair lady. Oh my God, it's getting bigger. I love it. 1.2. Yeah. Like you were saying, he's like completely done with this so much. I mean, yeah. Just like working his way through the crowd. He's like, yeah, I'm awake. Get out my it fucking is- way. He starts shoving people. Um, <laughs> it's just the dumbest premise too. Like the book transforms and ba- transports him back into Camelot with like King Arthur and shit. Like why? Like it's just so dumb. I love it. And you want to talk about? I was talking about House on Haunted Hill, where it's like you don't remember the first time you saw it. This is definitely this yeah. movie. So it was on yeah, TNT like all the time. Like I remember being like, this might be why I hate body horror so much because I remember being freaked out by the eye coming out of the shoulder, and then every time that like scene would come on, I'd always kind of touch my shoulder and it would like feel weird. <laughs> this is the one. Like I saw, I actually saw this one before I saw any of the other Evil Dead's. Same. So did Cause I, because my, my one buddy, you know, went down to the local video store and you know saw the cover of you know the girl leaning on ash him holding up the oh the 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 shotgun with the chainsaw hand and said well this is what we're doing tonight 
Ash <laughs> with his ripped open like shirt and his like glistening chest showing uh, like on the t-shirt and then like if, when you get to like the movie like yeah Bruce Campbell was like buffed up a little bit but he's not like rippled abs it's like the Death Rock episode where it's like you guys don't look like this your fo- your uh, album cover it's like oh no so we do a little bit of photoshops I remember I, I watched this movie because the poster looked like the original Star Wars A New Hope poster yeah. to me. That's what made me watch this movie, and I'm so glad I found it because of that. It's just such an odd... You you touched on it earlier. When you watch Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, then, is like a half-remake, half-sequel. Yeah. And then it's, well, what's the next step in the natural progression? Never in a million years would my mind go, put them in the Middle Ages. But it works <laughs> so well. It does. Like, and, they they just lean into the full on horror comedy. There's no hiding yeah. it in here, and it's so great and it works so well because Bruce Campbell was born to play like Pratt Falls Three Stooges esque like yeah. acting. He does so well in it. I love this movie. He should have been a stooge. Like <laughs> this is one of the movies I rewatched it for this episode because it had been too long and just the the skeletons coming out of the ground and then the one skeleton just like blobbing on the back of the horse. It's just yeah. it, everything about this is so much fun. Yeah. You know for a fact that, that this was Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell sitting around going, we got to make a sequel. Anybody have an idea? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Time travel comedy! I like the edit I saw on YouTube of when he's training them to the Be a Man song from Mulan, but when he's <laughs> yeah. training all of them how to fight and everything. Again, they're knights and stuff. Why are they taking training from Ash? Like, they're literally knights. Should they be training him? Welcome to the 20th century, guys. They're doing these <laughs> tricks with, like, um, these sticks. Like, hoo, ha, ha. And then when the battle starts, they do it one time, and they yes. just so I just a medieval fight. That's called setup and payoff, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, number 31, we have <laughs> Gremlins! I love the Gremlins. This is one of the this is the first episode of like our, our show that I was like, oh, that one's alright. That's like that's it was the first one people listened to. Like where it wasn't like three plays. Like I'm like, you know, some people actually found us on this one. This no Gremlins is so much fun. Everyone knows I don't like Christmas. I'm trying not to be such a stooge Grinch this year. It's hard. We went shopping earlier and the crowds are <laughs> insane. But no, Gremlins is a fun time with that. Um I love the it gives he's so cute. We had our Gremlins watch last night, actually, and man, oh. does it hold up well. So it was perfect for doing this today. Oh, but yeah. I was watching it last night, and man, it's so fun, dude. The movie theater scene alone should have made this like movie of the year when it came out. Had the misfortune of being released on the same day as Ghostbusters, which is, I just want to point out how great movies in the 80s, how fortunate everyone at this time was. But, they don't like, make them like they used to. It's, it's such a fun movie. I, I never know what tone it's really going for. Yeah. Like, whether, like, where the horror and the comedy combine. Because first they're launching the mean lady out of the building with her, like, stairlift thing. And then the next thing you have Stripe melting into this disgusting blob pile. Oh, which still grosses me out. <laughs> this movie, like, uh, one, like, you like, came out at the same how. How amazing that we got this movie and Ghostbusters on the exact same day. Wow. Like, like this is 
that is two intern family like favorites right there. Like our tradition, we haven't watched Gremlins yet this year because our tradition is we watch like we open our Christmas presents. Then as the kids are sitting down and playing, we put on Gremlins on Christmas Day. I love it. Yep. Screw screw Die Hard. This is my Christmas movie as well. Oh yeah. I saw this behind the scenes thing where the executives for test screenings and everything, they told Steven Spielberg there's too many gremlins in the movie. You know, just people trying to justify their job and giving notes that don't matter. And he's like, fine, we'll cut them all and just retitle it as people. I don't know why I'm so angry about it. But yeah, gremlins is fantastic. Is that why you doubled down for the sequel? (laughs) Yes. Oh, and Dick Miller, of course, is just amazing. You have to mention him. Character actor. It's a Kentucky Harvester. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Um, Coming in at number 30, one of my... Greg's sitting there with his mug. You guys can't see it. This is one of my... Like, was a sleeper hit for me. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I didn't see it for the first time until I was in college. Um... And, like, the next day, me and a group of my friends went on an adventure all around Pittsburgh looking for a DVD copy of Killer Clowns from Outer Space so we could watch it again immediately. Like, like this movie legit, I, I think it was, like, my number two on my list. Like, my personal list. It's so weird how this movie has become such a big cultural phenomenon too in the like, last five it, years yeah like yeah. spirit halloween for the past like five years running has been nothing but killer clowns it's so weird i have a, i'm not complaining se- about but I'm yeah either yeah i have a severed killer clown's head on my wall like <laughs> like half of one of my toy shelves is just killer clowns toys that have all just come out within like the past like two years <laughs> The movie's so much fun. It definitely leans into... It doesn't take place in the 50s, but almost that, like, 50s alien invasion-style movie, but just with killer clowns. And they full-on know how ridiculous they're being, like, with the circus tent in the middle of the woods at the beginning that's actually a spaceship, and Clownzilla at the end. It's just such a fun movie. (laughs) Oh, Pooh Bear, we're gonna get ourselves some free tickets! (laughs) This is the movie that really kind of sets the line between a bad movie, like making a bad movie for making a bad movie's sake, and making a ridiculous movie for a ridiculous movie's sake. Yeah. Like, you know, the Sharknado is a bad movie for bad movie's sake. Killer Clowns is a ridiculous movie for ridiculous movie's sake, and I will and I will back a ridiculous movie one hundred percent of the time. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's actually the perfect segue into number 29 is one of my personal favorites, the Toxic Avenger. Look, this is Troma's crown jewel and it deserves every bit of praise that has ever been given to it. I love Toxic Avenger so much. This is If you haven't seen it, fuck you. Go watch it now. <laughs> um, dude, it's the story of... It's a classic superhero story. This nerdy kid falls into toxic waste, becomes a giant, drippy monster of sludge and, like, toxic waste... And is naturally drawn to crime and has to stop it wherever it is. And then there's like five plots that kind of intersect and everything. It's such a fun time, though. I love it. 
Troma, Troma, Troma. I love it so much. Um, I've seen it twice at drive-ins. There's that's what nice. the, how great this movie is. There's two. Was, I was like, I'll drive over two hours to go watch this movie that I own. I I don't understand Troma movies, but anytime <laughs> I see the Troma, anytime I see the Troma logo, though, I have to watch it. And like Toxic Avenger is one of those ones that I will rewatch because it's just so dumb and it shouldn't work, but it does, and it's so much fun to see. And it's one of those like early direct-to-video style movies that just it, it, it's a lot of fun. I don't know how to say about it. Yeah, it's you know, and then the fact that this movie spawned a children's cartoon yes. in the early nineties. Yes, toxic. Like, I had, I had the toys from this cartoon when they came out. There's a line in the movie just to prove how ridiculous that is. It says, "Yo, I never cornholed a blind chick before." Yes, let's make a children's cartoon. <laughs> They have a running tally on the car of who they killed, and children are worth extra points. Let's make where, a they also say, where they also say every racial slur and what they are worth if you run them over. Yeah, if they can make RoboCop into a kids' cartoon, they can definitely make Toxic Avenger into a successful kids' cartoon. Uh, no one ever said successful. <laughs> it, it had thirteen episodes and one line of toys. That's more successful and than video most games nowadays. Oh yeah, and a video a, game. I need to find that. There was a that. video game. I didn't know about that. Yeah, and a new one coming out this year. Actually, they they That's started beautiful. working. Yeah, Cinemasker is like was part for of it. the regular NES, wasn't it? Yeah, it was for Sega and NES. Yeah, that. Era. I gotta look this up. Well, you know what? I'm gonna have to find. I'm gonna have to find the uh, NES game, and I think we're gonna have to have a throbbing with horror Toxic Avenger video game party at my house. It's on Steam. Down. Oh, Angry Video Game Nerd reviewed it, and Lloyd Kaufman's in the episode. Oh, sweet. That's amazing. You know what? We'll invite Lloyd Kaufman to my house to play it with us. <laughs> I still have his phone, his his email. I can get a hold of him. Hey, Rocco. <laughs> I would absolutely 100% let Lloyd Kaufman in my house to play video games with us. <laughs> At number 28, we have Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. My favorite of the entire series. One of the original VHS tapes from my childhood that I purchased from Suncoast. They are the Holy Grail VHS tapes. I played it so many times, I can't watch it anymore. It's completely worn out. I, th- th- this is when Jason starts to kind of just morph in this conglomerate mesh of bullshit to me. What? What, what, what is zombie this Jason? One? This is zombie. Okay, okay, good, okay. <laughs> the best that one's one. Right. Not, not my favorite. This one knows what it's doing and it does it best. If you ask me... Although it is not my favorite, my favorite is, as Brett begrudgingly knows, Jason Takes Manhattan. But yes. this, to me, is the best Friday the 13th. This is first undead, unstoppable Jason. And it knows it's kind of being a little cheesy, because it opens up with the James Bond intro, but with yeah. Jason. And, like, they this is right back, after like, they Frankenstein. did... Yeah, right after they did A New Beginning, where they made the Halloween mistake where Jason wasn't in it, and everyone was pissed. So just like that, the title of this one, Jason Lives! He's back, people! He's back! It's okay! (laughs) But this one, it's funny if you compare the two, because I like Halloween 4, but if you compare the return of Michael Myers to Jason Lives, Jason Lives just leaned into the ridiculousness and said, okay, you want it? Here you go. 
and the fans responded super well to it. That's fair. Where it got a much more mixed, tepid reaction with Halloween when they did it. I will say this is this is this is top tier Jason for me. I I like Greg. It's not a dig at Brett. I I, I unironically love part eight. It's my favorite because because of the ridiculousness level of it. But this one, you know, like you said, first unkillable Jason. You know, just this sets the tone for what we truly know as now as Jason. Yeah. The and rest is going to build to get here for me when I'm watching it. When yeah. I watch one through five, yeah. it's the build to six. And okay, here we are. And I love CJ Gra- Graham's portrayal of Jason. Of like, he came from like the military. So he has a very like marching style towards Jason where he's like upright. Like he's like very straight. Greatest ass of any Jason. He's got that Marine ass. <laughs> like CJ Graham is like, I'm not a small individual. When we saw him at Horror Realm last year, like, I looked over at him, I'm like, I feel I feel how you guys must feel being around me. <laughs> we, we, we met him, he, like, put his, like, arm, like, like on my head. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, he just has this frying pan-sized he- hand, I remember, yeah. around my shoulder. I'm like, he's gonna murder me. <laughs> Hello, sir. Number 27, we have Midsummer, which is just daylight horror, and it's just so genius. Ari Aster, I love you, even though Bo is Afraid was weird. It's okay, we all make mistakes. But the whole movie is just really uncomfortable to me. It's that constant, like, oh, there's that couple in the friend group that just argues all the time, and you wish they'd break up, but they just won't do it kind of thing. You're just sitting there awkwardly in the corner while they finish up their fight. It's so tense, so unnerving. It's great psychological torture, which is my favorite type of fucked up horror. And uh, yeah, go Danny. Wear that crown, baby. Oh, Miss Frowny Face is so great. Um, you've almost like, I the boyfriend is a complete dickhead. Yes. But there's a tiny bit of him. Is like, if you'd broken up with her one day beforehand, yeah. you would have avoided all this. In the movie. A horrible thing happens, and now he's stuck. There, there's no leaving yeah. now. Well, you could, but you're going to be like the biggest asshole in the world. And- and it does kind of ride that line, too, where you're like, there's parts where you do kind of feel bad for him, but not enough to be like, yeah, I let him burn at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, to me, this is the perfect example of A24 doing what they do best and making me uncomfortable to watch a movie. Like, not yeah. in a, I, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. But, like, you're sitting watching this movie. This isn't a movie you put on to relax to. No, no, no. So, like, like I would even say, like, I loved Hereditary. I would say even this one does the uncomfortableness even a little better than Hereditary because everything is in the harsh light of day. That's you fair, know, right? Yeah. Everything that happens happens with the bright noonday sun above yep. you. Whereas in a traditional horror movie, this would be obscured by darkness. Like, I w- this is another one I watched because you guys covered it, and it has legit become one of my favorite movies. Not just favorite horror movies, just favorite movies of all time. To the point where I'm Hell probably yeah. going to order mm-hmm. the A24 incense burner of the of the of the. Do you put the incense in a tiny bear? <laughs> no, unfortunately, you do not. <laughs> Two things I want to mention about Midsummer. 
one most realistic portrayal of psychedelics in a movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> They're not seeing hallucinations of dancing elephants and stuff like that. Like, it's, I'm like, hats off. Like, this is legit, very realistic. And the other thing about it, the hidden details in this movie, yes. going back yeah. and watching it. Yes. Like, just shapes in the trees is all I will say. And things yeah. like that. Holy shit, makes it so much more unnerving when you're watching it. It's more Ari Aster being Ari Aster, too, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, like Greg said, they don't do the, like, I love Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas so much. Like, that's <laughs> a fucking fun movie. At no point does anyone turn into lizards and there's a blood orgy or something, you know? Like, everything just kind of flows and stuff. And then, like, I enjoy, too, where every once in a while, like, someone will say a word and that, like, triggers her. And, like, everything, yes. like, stops and focuses back in. And it's like, fuck, go this way. Or, is it, you know, like. It's, it's a great representation, too, of, like, PTSD and just, like, a battered relationship kind of thing. But it also gives me one of my favorite personal mottos. Oh, fuck, new people. I can't deal with new people right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. New people are good. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, for number 26, fellas, we're going to need a bigger boat. Mm-hmm. We're talking Jaws. Nice. Like, this is son of intern Corey. Like, other than... Other than now, I think Godzilla minus one. This is like in- son of intern Corey's favorite movie. That makes a lot of sense, though, if you now know some of the re- like some of the inspiration behind some of the scenes. Yeah, but like, yeah, my son absolutely loves this movie. I love this movie. Um, like this this movie may be one of the most culturally relevant movies on our list because this of, is of the movie time. that's yeah. of all time, really. This is the movie that started people being afraid of sharks. Like, because of this movie, we have Shark Week. Show me the way to go home. (laughs) I'm tired and I want to go to bed. It's one of the greatest scenes in movie history. Just them drunk, comparing their scars, and then singing. Jaws is honestly also credited with the first blockbuster of all time. Yeah. Which, you know, just in the cinema world we've grown up in it's wild to think of a time before blockbusters but jaws was credited as the first one um also terrible for wildlife preservation just throwing that out there definitely like the adolf hitler to sharks was steven spielberg just throwing that out there also kind of horrible for the modern day blockbusters like this is what that that's why we are where we are today jaws is great but Hmm. Well, I want another Transformers yeah. bullshit thing. Yeah, now every movie they expect to perform like this did in that time. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait. Jaws is the reason I have to sit through another goddamn three hour Marvel movie? Yeah. <laughs> Coming in at number 25, one of my favorite John Carpenter movies, They Live. My Came favorite. Kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of gum. They Live is so good. It's. It's one of those movies that, don't get me wrong, it has a great message to it. Some of the wrong people have adapted and misinterpreted the message. I'll say that. And look, it's not as deep as people make it out to be. It's very good message. It's the haves versus the have-nots. And, like, who controls the narratives and everything like that. Which still holds true today. And John Carpenter had the perfect casting in Rowdy Roddy Piper to get yeah. this message across in a fun and entertaining way. I don't think if one of those pieces comes out, I don't think it works, but every piece aligned perfectly for such a good movie. 
I love how goofy, like, the aliens look. It looks like a rubber mask. Like, the mouth doesn't actually move right and stuff. It looks like a what would have been modern day for the 80s, like, B-50s movie kind of thing. Yeah. Even where, when you see, like, they put the glasses on, it goes to black and white. And, you know, and we've, we talked about it in our episode, the fight, the, the, the fight scene. Where, you know, yeah. where they just let Roddy Piper, you know, basically have a shoot fight with Dude. For five minutes. Put on the glasses. Dude, too many yelling at each other in an hour. Put on the glasses. No, I want to put on the glasses <laughs> for ten minutes. Great. <laughs> and like and like Greg said too, it, it it's a message that's still hold, even if people have bastardized it. It's still a message that still kind of holds up to this day. And it, 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 as someone who likes history of film and all that it worked well for john carpenter's feelings on the reagan era policies on economics and all that stuff definitely and yeah it it worked out really well and it it made for an entertaining uh what could be kind of scenario and just one of the most fun cold endings in the world with the guy on the tv talking about like People like John Carpenter and George Romero making these sick movies, and then the girl fucking an alien in bed right when it goes out, and what's wrong, baby? End of movie. Look, I know I said we try not to spoil, but that's not really much of a spoil. Just such a fun, cold end to that movie. And it's so great, because like, that's like tame compared to nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. And like, some of them are sitting in bars where everyone just like now all of a sudden sees them, so it's like, what am I sitting beside? <laughs> At number 24, we talked about it a tiny bit earlier, now we'll talk about it more, we have Frankenstein. I mean, we love it. Of course we do. It's one of it's one of the greatest horror classics. Of Talk about a movie you can rewatch like over and over again. It doesn't get old. The performances are so amazing. I love The Doctor. I love Renfield. Uh, <laughs> Renfield. Or, no, it wasn't, wasn't even Igor in it. No, it wasn't even Igor. Yeah. The assistant. Yeah. The assistant. Dwight Fry. That's why I got uh, confused as Dwight Fry. Uh, he's great in everything. He got more blacklisted than Bella Lugosi did for some reason. This movie ruined the story of Mary Shelley's book. Totally. And I still love it. Like, as someone who loves yeah. the book, it still works so well because you're focused. It cuts between the doctor focus to the monster focus, but it's still, it, it, it marries that tension with the, what have I done kind of thing so well. It's such a fun watch. At the end of the day, it's the monster movie of monsters. This is what people movies. think of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like Brandon said, the, the book and the movie literally have other than the name, have almost nothing to do with each other, but they're still they're both great in their own rights. You know, being a literary person, I love the book, love this movie. This this is my favorite Universal monster. Hey, watch yourself. Did you get a first first edition when it came out, Corey? <laughs> he's like he's saving up. He's doing his. <laughs> he's working in the factory for a penny a day, saving up. <laughs> Young Corey comes out of the coal mines. Oh, golly gee, there's no book out tonight. There's too much coal in my eyes. I can't read. I could get the new Superman comic or Frankenstein. <laughs> Hi! 
But yeah, no, I, I do love this movie. <laughs> I wasn't around when it came out. <laughs> As of recording, I am not 40 yet. Yet. That's a big yet. Uh, number, number 23. <clears throat> Fuck me! Fuck me! Fuck me! Fuck me! Jesus <laughs> the, Christ. The Exorcist. I mean, everybody knows The Exorcist. It, the Exorcist, we talked about, what movie was it that was the first like blockbuster, Jaws? The Exorcist, I think, was the first viral movie because it was the word of mouth that brought this movie to the forefront. I don't think it would have been as popular had it not been so shocking or faint-inducing in the theaters as people thought it was. The insane behind-the-scenes stuff you got that people died soon after the movie was sent. People think it's cursed. Um, you know, Linda Blair being being the little girl being possessed by a demon is so perfect in this role. I believe this is the first movie that got nominated for Academy Award, correct? Uh, okay. But The Exorcist, look, this top 100 list I think is cool because it's like more of a our top 100 list. So you know, there's movies that yeah. wouldn't end up in most top 100 horror movies list. But there will never be any credible top 100 horror movies list that does not include The Exorcist. Right. Like it just would never happen because The Exorcist is that I- iconic and that important. I am curious what your thoughts are, because I was actually talking with someone about this not too long ago. Do you think The Exorcist still holds up in the scare factor today? Because a lot of the shocking things at the time was this little girl saying, your mother sucks cocks in hell. Fuck me. Fuck me. Kids say that in Walmart when I'm walking down there today. Like, is it a shocking day? I wonder if that's what went wrong with Believer if we're going to tie it into more modern stuff. I don't think that's what went wrong with Believer personally, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I haven't seen Believer yet, so I can't point. But I don't, I don't think it holds up in a in a shock factor, scare kind of way anymore. Because, like you said, you know, this is commonplace language among the youth of today. But like as a movie overall, this absolutely holds up as one of the greatest of all time. Like, there's a reason there's never been another truly great possession movie. Yeah, they did it all here. It was done perfectly here. And I actually just read an article. Apparently, there was an actual serial killer that was an actor in the act. I forget which one it was. You'd have to look it up. But I just read it like yesterday. There was an actual guy who wound up being a serial killer that was an actor on The Exorcist. Was it one of the actors who died before it premiered? No. No, no. No, because William Friedkin actually tried to help this dude out until oh, he wow. found out that he had like four or five more bodies. I didn't know that. Well, like Greg, yeah, look it up. up. It's one hundred percent real. Greg brought up about like the like religion part of it, and like how like it does it still resonate? Like it does it still a shocking and stuff? Like I'm not religious at all, but for some reason the religious horror movies like do get to me. Of like I like how the mom tries to go through every medical step that she can. He's she's sending her psychologists, putting her like giving her to every doctor that she can get a hold of with like the amount of money she has because she's this famous actress. And then finally, she's like at her wit's end, and it's like, I guess I'll go to the priest. I I view this movie sort of like how I think we're gonna view another movie soon down this list, Hereditary, in you know twenty years time. I think if you think of it in the context of when this came out, I think this is one of the most scary things ever. Nowadays, not so much because we have better effects, we have better story, you know, um, development. 
but in the context of the time it came out, I can totally see why this this was terrifying to so many people. Well, number 22, we have the greatest love story that has ever existed. <laughs> A love story that trans it goes against like dimensions and through planets and through Hellraiser acid bikers. We have Mandy. We have like a nice hour long setup of how much they love each other and how perfect they are together. And they like to read little funny books together and watch like weird sci-fi movies. And then they're attacked by a cult. And then it's just Nicolas Cage going completely insane for the next 45 minutes, downing as many drugs as he can find. Uh, donning like he keeps coming it's almost like a video game of like he'll like kill a boss and then loot them and like oh i like that jacket taking that this to me feels like what mad max fury road would have been had it been a horror movie Hmm, it's just that quick like snappy editing everywhere it's short sweet to the point you get the crazy nicholas cage all throughout the movie it's such a memorable movie Again, a movie that there's just really not truly anything wrong with this movie. No. Like, dude, like there's nothing that I, I can super complain about. I mean, it's got the ridiculousness with, like, Cheddar Goblin and stuff. and But it's got the great love story. It's got Nicolas Cage just shooting his Nicolas Cage goo all over the movie. Like, I, I love this one. It was a slow burn for me at first. But once I really got into it, like, it quickly became a favorite. The slow burns, what I want to talk about, um, because I started this movie maybe four times before I yeah. ever finished this movie. Mm-hmm. And every time I did, I went, everyone always talks how great Mandy is. I got to watch. It. And then I sit through the beginning and I'm like, I'm not watching Mandy today. And I turn it <laughs> off. And this happened three or four more times until I finally got there. And then once I did, I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. But like, <laughs> it just took me a couple times to get there. And it's so good. But even otherwise, I want to talk about the lighting in this movie. Yes. Such a cool, fun, vibrant time just watching this. So overexposed and just like doesn't feel natural. And my favorite Cage movie now. Like it was leaving Las Vegas for the longest time until I saw Mandy. And I was like, this is my favorite Cage now. (laughs) Um, Honestly, like like, Greg's point on the light. This this felt like it was lit by the same dude who lights Dario Argento. Yeah. Yeah. It does have a giallo feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, um but um but yeah, like like Greg like you have to be to get through this movie the first time, you have to just be in that perfectly right mind. You can't be too tired, but you can't yeah. be too awake. You can't be too drunk, but you can't be too sober. But once you once you get through it the first time, it's a snap to get through it every other time. Just that first watch, yeah. And then you can watch it whenever State of Mind later on, because you understand. Yeah, exactly. 21, uh, we have American Werewolf in London. My my favorite werewolf movie. Like, like not even... Like, it's not even close with other werewolf movies in this one. Like, a little bit of shame to admit, like, I didn't... I didn't watch this one until... I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s, till I really watched this movie. Shut up! All of you. I see the faces. Just don't start. How did like, you do that when you were 30 when it came out? <laughs> it's just like, it's just where like they played the train like coming at you and then there was a double feature with American Wolf. And- <laughs> no, we're going to be in the- away from the trains. <laughs> you, 
you guys know we're all going to be in the same room at some point. Right? <laughs> it will never come out. No, American Werewolf in London, I'm with you. It's actually my favorite werewolf movie of all time. I think it's incredible. And we've brought this up a couple times. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. This is a case of less is more. They tease you so long with that werewolf reveal. And even when they give it to you, it's real slight. It's that escalator scene where you see it and you go, oh, holy shit, what the fuck is that? And then it cuts away to a hilarious American Man Stolen Balloon scene. But then, like, it's not till the next transformation that you get the full-on werewolf carnage and everything. Now, I've never been a big fan of werewolf movies. Can you... I've never seen this movie. It was not on my list. Can you sell this to me in one line? The naked American Man Stole My Balloons. I'm okay with that. Okay. The transformation scene is the best transformation scene yes. that's ever been done. Okay. Hands down. Won the award for best effects that year. It's painstakingly, like, I'm just imagining when they did this, every little detail. Like, they do the fur. They do the extensions of, like, the bones. They do everything. It's all practical. But it nice. holds up so incredibly well. Like, I 100% recommend you watching this okay. movie. Okay, okay. It's to the point of like it, they show you of like the hand is extending, and you know they have to. It can only extend for so long because then you know everything's yeah. going to break and tear. But it still awesome. like holds up and looks good. Okay. Uh, Greg got Greg got the greatest autograph for this movie. I they literally have because uh, there's this throwaway scene where he says, I'm the world-famous balloon thief. And he's signing posters for everyone. It's like, fear the moon, stay off the moors, right, and all that. And he's like, oh, is there a line from the movie you want? I'm like, can you sign it as the world-famous balloon thief? And <laughs> Brett remembers, he has like, how do you spell balloon? And me and Brett were both like, I don't know, are there two L's or one L? It took us a while to figure out how to spell balloon. Three adults trying to figure out how to spell the word balloon. But that's even American like how- education system in that cell. Right, that means he never writes balloons, so he never does that line. So that's like super, like, oh, it even made him laugh for a minute. It's like a lot of times they <laughs> sign and they're like, oh, thanks for watching the movie. That one actually made him look up and be like, I've not heard that one before. <laughs> but yeah, um, and definitely the coolest werewolf design I've probably ever seen. Well, speaking of the transformation sequence and how disturbing mm-hmm. Gross is, the next movie is, in my mind, the absolute king of body horror. Nothing will ever touch it is yep. The Fly, the Jeff Goldblum one. How does Brundle Fly eat? Well, he found out the hard and painful way that he's very much the way a fly eats. Just disgusting and charming at the same time, which is wild to me. This movie makes me so sad at the end, but it's such a good movie. This is, I saw this movie way too young. This was like, I saw it in elementary <laughs> school on like HBO. So it was uncut kind of thing. And I couldn't sleep all that night of it. Terrified me so much. I was talking about Army of Darkness, like led to my body horror. Like it still gets to me type of thing. This is the main movie that really, really did it of just him melting away the fact of like his fingernails start and then like his ear falls off at the very end he becomes a part of the machine as well it's just so disgusting and like i couldn't imagine a worse fate than just watching yourself melt around yourself and there's nothing you can do about it and he's almost enjoying it like he's actually like yeah this is great <sighs> oh, look, yeah look at all the transformations going on <laughs> Well, that's Jeff Goldblum. I mean, like, it's Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum. Again, it's amazing. But there will never be another David Cronenberg on this planet Earth ever. Yeah. Like, 
right? What's his name? Brandon Cronenberg, his son, is trying so hard. Possessor was good, but it's it's never going to reach that gore pinnacle that David Cronenberg movies will always come to for me. And like, and like, normally I am not, I would never say a remake is better than the original, but I will say this one absolutely slays the the Vincent Price original. Which is and a I lot love for that. Corey to say, because that one has Vincent Price, like he just said. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I, lo- I love them both, but like, if I have to give the edge to one of them, it's absolutely the Jeff Goldblum one, hands yep. down. Like, I don't know like how you, said, you have just... any fluids left inside you. <laughs> It's so beautifully disgusting. Also, that... like the chemistry that he has with Gina Davis. I know they were dating or married at the time, but that doesn't always work for great on-screen chemistry. Yeah. A lot of times yeah. it's the opposite. But him and Gina Davis in this movie together are fantastic. And like you believe all of it. And I'm sitting here getting sad for this man puking on a donut to eat it. Like it's great. And we get the horrible nightmare of the maggot birth. And yeah. it's like, oh, it's uh well at number 19 we have it's not my favorite movie of all time it's a top five for me plan nine from outer space it is so inspirational to me it kind of transcends a movie for me of ed wood had this amazing idea in his head and he couldn't get the financing to actually make it like well and look good but he said fuck it i'm not letting that stop me i'm gonna see my dream to the end and i'm gonna make this how i need to make it even if i have to fly a ufo model on a fishing wire wasn't it a paper plate or was that just in no. the edward movie okay no it was okay. actually it, it was a ufo model it's okay but yeah okay i i love plan nine just it's not it's not a great movie like you said but it's still in my probably my top 50-ish movies of all time period just because it gives me hope that one day i can look at a producer and say oh you didn't like my movie well the next one will be better i promise exactly (laughs) the thing about plan nine is everyone knows rated like worst movie of all time even though i think the room might have actually taken the title i don't know where the room is amazing but it was oh yeah but it was like always rated as like the worst movie of all time yeah but just to prove that that doesn't mean shit, Plan 9 was on all four of our lists, by the mm-hmm. way. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. And not, like, low on any of our lists, either. No. It wasn't, like, a nine. It wasn't in the 90s on any of ours. No. No, no like, I just... No, I, it's just so, it, it's the reason why the podcast exists is because I was like, I love podcasts so much and Greg came with the idea for it, but I could have easily just been like, no, there's no fucking way. Like, how am I going to talk about this stuff and do any of this? It was like, well, Ed Wood wasn't really a filmmaker, but he wanted to be, <laughs> so he became one. So it's like, I love podcasts so much. I'm giving a fucking shot. What's the worst <laughs> that could happen? I make the worst podcast in the world. Then I'm right up there with Plan Nine, sure, but no, Ed Wood is just so—he's so inspirational. I have a picture of him above my desk. He looks at me every day when I record. Like this is the move, like that to me really just defines that the bad fifties, you know, drive-in sci-fi movies with how bad it is, but just how beloved it become, like. You're not going to talk to any true fan of sci-fi if they tell you that Plan Nine, like, oh, I don't like that movie. Yeah, they're not a fan of sci-fi. Sci-fi, and they're just a snob. 
it's the ultimate guerrilla filmmaking movie. Like him running yeah. between sets to get to things to get shot and all the drama behind the scenes that you hear about. It's it's just so much fun. And knowing all that just makes it 10 times better. Yeah. And has given us our favorite phrase, the Edward trifecta. Yes. 100%. Yes, it has. I could go on and on and on about Plan 9. It, it, it was one of As our... As could I. We, it was what episode 25 and I wanted yeah. it to be like as soon as we started I was like I want to do it immediately and I got to hold off for 25 episodes which I'm glad we did it wasn't like number three so I'd be like oh man we have to I'm do that you, we have to redo it immediately I'm surprised you held your load that long but uh, I know <laughs> number what are we on now 18. Uh, 18 number 18 we have the thing and it's it's John Carpenter. I mean, again, what can I say about John Carpenter that hasn't already been said? It lets the atmosphere do all the scariness and builds up the tension with just the setting and the mood of the movie while the characters deal with a murder mystery. And it, it, it blends the two um, genres together so well. It's amazing practical effects. It's beautiful gore. I think it was the inspiration for the Resident Evil games. Um I love a good autopsy, so that's always a fun plus for me. Wilford Brimley, you know, without this man, I wouldn't know how to take care of my diabetes if I was on Medicare kind of thing. The only negative I would give it is the sheer amount of dead dogs that come on screen, which is way over the acceptable limit of zero. Um, (laughs) But like Kurt Russell said, we could probably blame Norway for that for so. This movie does paranoia better than any other movie that I've seen in my life. Yes. like I've watched it so many times and I still it's so fun because I still don't know who's the thing when and everything and I can yeah. watch this movie with any of you and we'll all come away with different oh he mm-hmm. is here he is mm-hmm. here everything like that it's done so well and just you can't talk about the thing without mentioning the incredible practical effects yes yeah, absolutely. Um, and you want to talk about a perfect ju- juxtaposition of movies here from the last movie Plan 9 this one like they're <laughs> technically in the same genre of movie they are sci-fi horror movies but like you couldn't talk about two movies that are two like just completely opposite from each other but i would double feature these two movies together all day every day i could see that no, I just love the scene. It's just, there's so many memorable scenes. It's just Wilford Brimley sitting out in the shack and they open <laughs> up and there's so many just great shots and it's just, there's the noose and then him. Yes. It's like, I would like to come in now, please. I'm okay. And they never mentioned it again. It's so great. Yeah. But, it, and the body horror of it all, like Greg mentioned the special effects. This is another one where it's just like, his people melting. His head becomes a spider. They're giving him like, they're trying to shock him and the stomach becomes a mouth. Like it's insane. And the still hold up to this day of it still makes you go like, Oh fuck of like it, his arms don't just like cleanly get cut off. They're jagged. Yeah. And you can almost actually feel it. One of my, my favorite book of all time is, and then there were none by Agatha Christie kind of to change genres here. And it's that same sort of like, there's a killer in the house and we don't know who it is. It could be any one of you, but I know it's not me kind of thing. And in, any any movie that has that kind of storyline is I'm a sucker for it. Um, well, coming in at number seventeen, the man, the king of dreams himself, <laughs> Freddy Krueger in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. The movie that gave us Johnny Depp. Um, in a crop top. This, in a crop. <laughs> 
Like this movie, I would credit. I would probably credit this movie for kicking off my obsession with horror almost more than any other horror movie. I want to jump in here before my co-host gets in here for a second because I just want to say A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, is fucking incredible. This movie is so good. And Freddy is terrifying in this movie. I I actually kind of like jokey Freddy Freddy later. But man, I love this terrifying Freddy Krueger at the beginning. Um, Yeah really sets up just the coolest idea in horror dude that kills you in your dreams and then it lets you go wild with what he can do like stretchy arm freddy and stuff like that it's genius because you can have like these wild scenarios but still have it be a realistic movie well the first one is okay but we've. I don't want to hear anything more from the Friday the 13th fan. Nope. We've talked about some of these movies of like, oh, well, it still holds up. Look how great it still is. This one, I feel, is doesn't really hold up that well, especially the effects. You just no, talk about the done. stretchy we're arms. Done. The stretchy arms look so bad. What about the mannequin getting pulled through the tiny window? I'll give you listen, mannequin through the window. 100%. I will so concede on mannequin through the window. Listen, no, I have childhood nightmares about the stretchy arm Freddy, okay? Nightmare on Elm Street was my first horror movie ever. And I remember I had a portable DVD player. I remember sneaking the Nightmare on Elm Street DVD out of my parents' collection late one night, sticking it in my DVD player, and I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. Now watching it, I know it's schlocky, like the the... the giant expanding arms is schlocky and cheesy doesn't look good but anymore. i still it doesn't look great but like i still as a child can appreciate it you know as as a scariness to it i well coming also from i this is one of the original vhs tapes that i bought that i've mentioned a few times now and i remember getting this one being like oh this is a new series to check out and i bought the first one and i went back to buying friday the 13th vhs tapes because i was like nah i'm not gonna devolve like i'm not gonna delve away from that for a little while he was too scared yeah he was he's trying to hide the fact and this vhs tape is in pristine condition barely played like new well you're a collector now so yeah now normally i'd say you're perfectly entitled to your wrong opinion but you're not in this case (laughs) you're just wrong what what is freddy what why why is he a bad guy what does he do he's a pedo what else do you need to know? Like he's a pedo yeah. that kills kids in their sleep. Like what? What is the ultimate villain in our society? Uh, yeah, Jared from Subway. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's terrifying. And and no, they don't. I like the fact that they don't come out and out and say it in the original series, which is one of the things that makes the remake so terrible. Yes, is yeah, you don't need well, to say it. That's why at first inside, you're good. At first, I wasn't sure if this was the original or remake that was at number 17 so they were both about the same for me before we move on i need to thank greg for giving me new nightmare fuel as an adult with uh freddy krueger makeup jared from subway um <laughs> they were just stretching his arms just, out. He, has, he has subway subs on his fingers <laughs> welcome to my nightmare kiddo um, oh no. would you like double meat is that a five dollar foot long in your arm in your pants? Are you happy to see me? Um, is that enough number... for you? Would you like more? <laughs> number sixteen. Um, I have a funny story about this movie. Number sixteen is the witch. It, it... So good, so good, so good. 
so black good. I shut, I shut down a Halloween party with the witch, and I am so proud of it to this day. <laughs> we were all taking turns picking out scary movies, and I was like, I was the second out of five people to pick a movie, and I said, oh, let's watch The Witch. It's so scary, and it's tense, and it makes you so uncomfortable throughout the entire movie. And people fell asleep halfway through it, and we're like, yeah, we're ready for bed. And I sat there in my smugness, just enjoying every second of it. Good. It's a couple of big firsts for people. It's first movie by Robert Eggers. I'm pretty sure it's Anya Taylor-Joy's first movie. So this movie gave us her, which she's a great, fantastic actress. It's that folktale storybook feeling to it that's just creepy and unnerving. And I'm I'm a sucker for black and white, so there's that. The style of the movie. Not black and Isn't it? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's very no, grayscaled, no, no. but it's not black and white. It's grayscaled. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So uh, it, the style of it, though, is what makes it scary. It's the natural light. And the candlelight is the only light you see in the entire movie. The candles, the shadows of the candles is, is fantastic. The faraway shots of things that you're not supposed to see that's supposed to scare you, that kind of like your mind fills in the blanks a little bit. And just that perfect ending. Just oh, that wood style like to live deliciously. It's just, oh, so good. I like the taste of butter. I yeah, sell my soul for the taste ball. of butter too, yeah. I would too, yeah. Butter's oh, but- delicious. I can't believe it's not butter. (laughs) Just the taste. This movie helped like really, uh, because I didn't know I love witch movies as much as I did until we started covering them over and over again. And every single one, I was like, I love it. And I was just like, yeah, I love the witch subgenre. Um, and I love that this one, it is, Eggers does a great job of making you yes. feel like you're in the time. You definitely have to put the subtitles on or the captions or whatever to really understand most of what they're saying. Um, I love that the dad is, they already are a part of the super religious, like, com, like I don't know, the village or whatever. And, but they want to be even more religious, so they have to move away yes. and start their own thing. But the dad's like, "I got this," but all he can do is chop wood. He's not good He's at not doing good anything. At he can't hunt. Yeah, he can't do anything. He can't hunt anything. The wood is ended ends up being his downfall. I love the evil goat. Black Philip is amazing. <laughs> I love the story behind Black Philip, where Robin Eggers is like, uh, "What's the is it." worse to work with children or animals he's like well goats especially because you cannot make them do anything (laughs) where he was such a terror they sent him away to live on a farm we're like was it like recently someone like found black philip and got a picture of him um i just want to say this specifically to you brett is you kind of ruined this movie for me that anytime I see a picture of the father or watch this movie or anything, I just picture you always going, Doth Father! Every time <laughs> I see him in anything, I picture your voice saying this, that's all. Robert Eggers is one of those directors that has quickly become my favorite of the modern era. It was it was a toss-up yes. between him and Ari Aster, and I think he kind of nudged ahead for me. His camera work, his mm-hmm. his pacing, his, everything he does is such a slow burn. It's so masterful. It's not out yet. We still have a year to go, so we have no yeah. idea. It could be horrible. But if you're going to give Nosferatu to anyone nowadays, give it to him. I, I, feel like I was all in. Well. I saw I'm that. all I in. Like, yep. Hey, I love this property so much. I love the Dracula story. I love Nosferatu. Yep. Yes. All right. Coming in at number four. 15. Lick my plate, dog. <laughs> we got Texas Massacre 2. Um, talk about a complete and total tonal switch 
from a from the first movie to the second movie. Um, like you could really say that these, other than the name and the characters, these two movies aren't related at all. And this is another where I like the sequel. I I like two better than one. Um, this like I love them both. Don't get me wrong, but just something about Bill Mosley as Chop Top just puts yeah. it over the edge. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so memorable. There's so many great lines. Like you just said, Bill Mosley. I like that Toby Hooper didn't even want to do this. And then they said, okay, we'll give to someone else. He went, no, 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 I'll do it, but I got to do it my own way. And I love how he kind of did it. There's no way you can be as brutal and like of the time that the original Texas Chainsaw was where it's not even like bloody or like gory or anything. It's just so like grindhousey and just like dirty feel. Yeah. Of, there's no way you can do that again. Let's make the wacky 80s sequel, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Corey already covered pretty much everything I was going to say for this one. I think this is the movie that gave Rob Zombie the go-ahead to be like, yeah, I could do this kind of sto- kind of yeah. movie. And this series is such a wide range of things. I think it was Next Generation right after this one that was just totally No, there was one in between. There's three. There was three. Was there, three. Was there a third was one? Three next okay, okay. Three is largely forgettable because it's kind of yeah. boring yeah. yeah yeah i have nothing to say about texas chainsaw massacre 2 except for that i love it i think yeah i i could sit here for hours we did a full episode on it texas sure. chainsaw 2 is cream of the crop schlock for me and i love it so much burn it all down bury the devil i think but, this was the movie that not only gave rob zombie the, the go ahead to make his movies but just to live his entire life the way he does yeah yeah but number 14 we have the movie that started all horror movies dracula (laughs) from 1931 it's the reason why horror movies exist it gave us our (laughs) greatest actor in the entire world that has ever lived or will ever live bella lugosi orson welles what it is it is one of the perfect movies of it. it, There's a reason why this started all of it. This is, there's a reason for universal. I'll be real. This started all the universal horror stuff. This is why we got all the great stuff. This is why we got Frankenstein because they're like, Oh, look how great Dracula did. What else do we have? That's why we got Wolfman. All of them creature from the black lagoon. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Universal was the reason. Yes, thank you for, for, for the shameless name plug. Yeah. Um, Universal movies are the reason why we have every single horror trip to this day. And Dracula is just another part of that, you know. Dude, this movie's so good. I'm thinking just like when Renfield meets Dracula at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the beginning. And it's so iconic already. Like Creatures of the Night, what music they make. Walking through the cobweb, which that shot still impresses me today. Mm-hmm. It's so good. <laughs> that laugh. That laugh is so perfect. Um, Like, like I said, I, I'm definitely, a, I like just personally i like frankenstein better but like it's not to say that dracula isn't like right up there with it like but this is this is the movie this is the movie 
I also want to point out that Dracula is an early example of blending comedy with horror. Like, yeah. although not outright, but the Martin character used as comedic relief, and he does it so well. I got it, sir! I shot the bat! Like, I love him. And, like, nobody's escaped as Renfield standing right there. Like, they do such a good job at that that it'll become a major thing down the road. Oh, you little fly eater. I mean, it's no creature from the Black Lagoon, but it, it, it's second choice for me as well. What? Flies ain't good enough for you, then. How do you spiders? Flies? <laughs> I'll never eat the wretched things. We better move on. Brett's just going to quote the entire movie. Go on. Eyes. <laughs> Thousands, millions of them with their blood-red eyes, and they're all mine. <laughs> well, if we want to talk about movies, I can quote all day. Coming in at Bad Luck 13, we have Scream. Surprise, Sydney. Yes. Um... The king of meta, like, horror movies changed the fucking game when this came out. Like, there's, I think I've talked about this in Saw and a few other movies. There's a select few movies throughout the year that when they came out, they changed everything. And Mm -hmm. no matter what you want to talk about, the movies that came after them that took the inspiration from them, those are always something special. And Scream is a prime example of something that kind of came out and changed the game. Like, kind of grunge to hair metal is what Scream did to, like, the straight-to-video slashers we are kind of stuck in, like, in that time and everything. Like, really injected the genre with some new life. I don't know what you can say about Scream, honestly. It's it's probably the most famous horror movie, I would say. It shot all these people into stardom. You got Nev Campbell, you got Matthew Lillard. All these people became so much bigger because of this movie and everybody knows who Sydney is, you know, everybody knows who Ghostface is. I'm feeling a little woozy here. Oh, they, that end scene alone in the kitchen. If you don't like yes. the rest of the movie, there was a long period of time. I didn't like scream at all, but even when I didn't like scream, I like that scene because it's just so good. And I made me love Lillard. I love him in so much stuff. I one day want to meet him because supposedly he's like one of yes. the nicest people to meet at con. Yes. I'm so glad I finally came around to this franchise and really love it again now of because this first one is just so amazing and it's a, it's a classic now. It's right up there with uh, Friday the 13th or Halloween or I would put it up there with them. Oh, a- absolutely. This is a series I've had a, a love-hate relationship with. Um I saw the I saw the first scream in theaters when it came out and like and just absolutely love it. like that year everybody was ghostface for Halloween. Like you you went to the town Halloween parade and it was just a wall of ghost face coming at you. Um, same in then, my you know, school, and then there was me as Jason. <laughs> um, and then there was, you know, then it, it was definitely kind of the original for me was tarnished by the sequels, specifically three. Yeah. But then, hey, I, I like three. And at, as oh. an adult, I've come back around. Um, it was really it was the uh, Scream Five when it came out. I watched it. And I'm like, oh, this was this was pretty good. I'm, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna watch the entire series again. Loved one, two was okay. I still hate three, and I had never seen four before this year. Hmm. I love four. Yeah, four is fun. Four was great. Me and Brett were at a Halloween party at Brandon's house this year and got into an argument with a man outside about Scream 4. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I was only one when this movie came out, so I missed it in theaters. Sorry, Corey. Um, but it was the first movie that I felt validated as a film buff with Jamie Kennedy sitting there explaining yes. all the tropes of horror movies. It was like the final girl has to be the one that, you know, it's so it's so yeah. fun. It's just it's Lillard is just such a dick back to where he's like, oh, uh, because he's going over the rules. He's like, don't say your beer right back. Say, hey, I'm going to yes. need a, I'm going to grab a beer. You want anything? Like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> Um, coming in at number 12, like we go from, you know, a slasher that changed the game to quite possibly the movie that started the game. Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's classic. Uh, it's, it's psycho. Like what, what more do you want me to say about it? Who who doesn't love Vince Vaughn, guys? I mean, come on. <laughs> Psycho is the first like, don't spoil the ending kind of movie, you know, that Marvel kind of got into later on. And it's in all honesty, the main story of the movie doesn't isn't as scary nowadays as you would think it would be for as much as it's hyped up. But it's still a man wearing women's up. clothing. <gasps> exactly, it's shocking as hell. It's so shocking they have to have a narrator come out and explain to you what happened. It's all fake, guys. Don't worry, this won't hurt you. Uh, but it, it's so much fun, especially that ending too of him just like being so psychotic. Like I'm not even going to harm this fly. They'll see. Nobody's going to hurt me. I absolutely love Norman Bates so much. He's one of yes. my favorite characters in horror in general because he's kind of sympathetic but then he's also fucking like not at all and very brutal and i'm gonna say i enjoy the sequels to this one more than i enjoy yes. sequels to other movies because he's still it's still norman being absolutely psychotic and even bates motel at points was fun to watch you know i've never actually seen any of the sequels to this movie other than the two bates motel two is fantastic two is the best one yep. two is great three is fun yeah but you know, Psycho's a—it's just a straight-up classic. Everyone knows it. There's not too much to say. We did a full episode in October on this year. If you guys want to check it out. <sighs> number eleven. I'm a little sad it didn't make top ten because it was my number one. But anyway, I digress. Uh, hereditary. Don't you swear at me, you little shit! Don't you ever raise your voice at me? I am your mother. It. I could go on for hours about Hereditary. Yeah, don't even. I will be fucking freaked out the rest of the night if you keep clicking like that. Uh, I didn't expect much from Hereditary by the trailer. I didn't really want to go see it in a theater, but I'm glad I was drugged to the theater to watch it. It's the first movie that I can ever remember that I stopped breathing in the theater because I was just so shocked at what I saw. I did not expect the head pop at the beginning of the movie because she's so prominent. And the atmosphere, the settings, the little details on a rewatch, like Greg said with Midsummer, it's all incredible. And Tony Collette, that dinner monologue scene, that don't you swear at me, your little shit, is just so good. Well, I got to see this when it first came out at the drive-in. And by the time like I saw it, it was already also out on Blu-ray. So the next day I went to Walmart and picked up the Blu-ray. This is when I was like, me and Liz were just first dating. And then the whole time she's just like hiding her face. And then I have to explain <laughs> the movie to her what's going on. Like mom's floating through the air. Now she's headless. Um, but then I came home and watched it with my mom. And 
she got like completely freaked out by it. And I started doing the cluck click thing at her. And then she called my father to yell at me. I'm in my mid twenties is tell your son to stop <laughs> clucking at me. And dad's like, I don't know what that means. It's one of those rare movies that I wish I could experience again for the first time, just to see what would change in my reaction. Yeah. Only two things. I also had a fun theater watch. This was in the days of movie pass and I was seeing everything that came out in theaters. I saw this in a movie theater by myself. I don't mean I went by myself. I mean, there was no one else present in the theater, which made this the most terrifying movie theater watch I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life was watching hereditary that way. And also, I just think it's one of the most modern horror classics that there is. Like, as far yeah. as recent modern goes, Hereditary is going to be re- talked about for years and years to come, I think. Yeah. Yes. I think Brandon said it when we were covering The Exorcist. Um, th- this is one of those ones that, like you said, it's... we like we're The four of us are seeing, you know, from a critical perspective of horror... But it's one of those ones that down the line will be spoken about in the same breath with Amityville and yeah. Exorcist. Like it's just it's a fantastic movie. And again, showcasing the thing that A twenty four does so well in making you not okay watching this movie. It's the first movie I took notes on to try to understand it. <laughs> Oh god, Nerd. that's our episode on. It's like an hour and forty minutes long. It's yeah. so long. Yeah. Um. Well, guys, we're in our top ten. Woo! Yeah! Yes. The throbbing with horror top ten, starting off at number ten with Dawn of the Dead, the original, of course. Absolutely love it. There's a reason that I'll go to a yearly con about this one movie and be like, "Oh, there's the helicopter zombie again." You know, there's Tom Savini again great i love it like i love this movie so much this is one where there's like three or four different cuts of it and my favorite is the extremely long extended cut that just has everything yes because it's just like it's one of those movies there's not a whole lot of plot to it it's just like zombies are happening people have to survive and things just happen it's a fun watch because of that and and you don't really have to think too hard you just turn your brain off and watch all these zombies chasing people through a mall which as someone who lives close to Pittsburgh, I think we all can agree it's fun to watch it just because of like, oh, I know that mall. I know that yeah. store is now this store, you know? Yeah. We've been to that airport. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead is so cool. Like, And one of the biggest zombie tropes in zombie video games, TV shows, movies is the mall. And it's all yeah. traces back to Dawn of the Dead. Yep. It plays on the consumerism. It's fun. They're robbing the cash register, even though society has collapsed. You never know. You never know. It's it's such a good movie. I love it. Savini's just going to town. He's not quite at prime Savini level yet no. in this movie, if you ask yeah. me. Like, there's a lot of styrofoam shoulders being bitten with like red mm-hmm. stuff on the inside, but still a great watch. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can't go wrong with this one. I actually got the... They made a box set a number of years ago that has like every single cut of it all in one set. It's oh, you bastard. I've wanted that. Yeah, same here. I, I think my mom got it for me for Christmas that year. It's that thing of they fortify the mall and they're safe. Now what? And they almost just get bored. Yeah. Well, speaking of bringing the dead back to life at number nine, we have Reanimator, a favorite of many of us here. Dude, I'm just happy that when you look at this top ten, it's all things like, yeah, you expect to see in a top ten horror list. 
I'm glad Reanimator made it because those who know know how great this movie is. Mm-hmm. Oh, how many movies do we get to see a head giving head, especially to a Barbara Crampton? No, and it's young Barbara Crampton just killing it. Jeffrey Combs give, acting oh. his ass off. It's a great bromance movie. There's like peril. Like I said, the zombies coming back. The A lot of horror cliches like breaking into the morgue to revive the dead and everything. I love it. I mean, absolutely. This is, this is one of my favorite Lovecraft adaptations. If not my favorite Lovecraft adaptation. It bounces back and forth between this one and and from beyond and now honestly suitable flesh as well. yeah all all written by the man the myth the legend dennis paoli head over to our youtube channel give us a like comment and subscribe on me and brett's interview with dennis you can well, watch his nod at the nice old man i was say let, let me rephrase when i say interview i mean watch me and brett listen to this man talk for a half hour and just fangirl without, without yeah. really saying much but just sitting in awe of this person for, you know, a half hour. Um, yeah, I, you can't say too, you can't say anything really bad about this movie. It's one of those ones that some people are like, oh, it's, you know, just 80 schlock. But it's not, like, at all in any way, shape, or form. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's so tightly acted. It's one of those movies that I wish they would do this more with the cast of they rehearsed for like two weeks before they even started shooting. So everything seems natural and like they've actually said these lines before and they kind of have themselves kind of fleshed out of what their character is. So the point we get great lines of they find the dead cat. It's like, well, couldn't you leave a note? What would I put on it? Cat dead details later. How does that sound? Corey, well, Corey Gordon was a stage director before, and it really shows a lot of his movies feel like stage plays, and it mm-hmm. comes off really well. I love it. Yeah, it's really succinct. Everybody pretty much hit on every point I was going to make. Um, it's so cheesy, schlocky, but it works so well, and everybody's acting at their best. It's so much fun to watch it. Well, coming in at number eight, is a movie that like I've always loved, but now definitely has a special place in my in my heart. Because like this is the first time you guys ever called me intern Corey. Oh. Was during the Return of the Living Dead episode. Because before Such that I was just movie. I was just Greg's friend Corey that came on to talk about a Godzilla movie. Uh, I, I'm like he's too big. I can't tell him no. <laughs> like, He'll hurt he, me. He's scary. Yes, sir, I do like Deathgasm. <laughs> Return of the Living Dead. I was gonna get eaten. <laughs> Return oh, of the Living Dead is one of the best horror comedies of all time. It takes the piss out of zombies in the best way possible. Um, sets up this zombie world that is really fun to live in. Where no, you can't kill them because they're dead. You can't yeah. kill something that's dead. So you're just screwed when these things come back. Um, the jokes are great. The trashiness to it, no pun intended, is great. <laughs> I love this yeah. movie. Have Leanna you ever Quigley. thought about how you're going to die? <laughs> <laughs> Leanna Quigley. That's all I have to add to this. I mean, such a nice lady. Yes. I love her. <laughs> and once again, it's a great kind of blend of the horror and the comedy of like, it's funny, but when there's brutality, it happens. It's not played of like, oh, the zombies are slapsticky. Of like, I love where like the paramedics come in, they eat them. It's like, send more paramedics. <laughs> but it's like a civil war zombie is saying it. 
And then it's Dude. like brains, 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 brains of like we finally discover why they eat. Dude, people. the line that made me more terrified to die than any other movie is I can feel myself rot. No, yeah. no, I don't want that. Yeah. Horrible. The most metal line of any movie. Coming in at number seven, we have Halloween, and I'm assuming we mean 78, correct? Yes, we already covered 18. Okay. Yeah. And good, we good, didn't good. cover 07. Uh, spoil- look, look at that. It's John Carpenter again. What a shock. Um, <laughs> it's It has to be the most famous killer movie ever, and this is the movie that caused it, right? Everybody knows yeah. Michael. Everybody knows what he does. He's tall. He's silent. He's unnaturally strong, and he's so much fun to watch on the screen. And the OG Scream Queen, Final Girl, Jimmy Lee Curtis, it's just it's a perfect horror movie all around you if you ever like got to be like i asked like a million questions and you it's like exactly the right answer it's like what's one of like what's my top five most watched movies of my entire lifetime Hmm. halloween's probably on there yeah because it is one that i'm not sure really what to watch like sometimes i'll throw a basket case in a lot of times i'll throw a halloween in or something like that because it is a great comfort movie it's so well done. I love the character of Michael, especially in the first one, how he's treated. Of he's just an unmovable kind of object, which was what he probably should have been throughout the series. Yeah, I was going to say this is the one movie that kind of really relies on that hiding in the shadows kind of figure for Michael. Yeah. Now that we're at his last appearance on the list, Brandon, since you brought him up, I just want to take a moment to point out how fucking impressive John Carpenter is. Yeah. Um, Everyone who calls him the master of horror, we throw terms like master and legend and stuff around a lot. This no one deserves it more than this guy, if you ask me. Oh, John Carpenter has yep. the greatest mind for horror out of any director who has ever lived. And if the dude never wants to make another horror movie again, he's earned that right. If he wants to just play video games and watch basketball, by all <laughs> means. But dude, just the work this guy has given us, like all of it's so well deserved. I'm mm-hmm. he's earned every appearance on this top one hundred list that he got. Also the first appearance of Donald Pleasance in the whole series, of yeah. course, because this is Halloween one. But he stuck through throughout all like most of them. Until his and death, I'm pretty sure, right? Until he until yeah. he died. Like he made them till he died. Yeah. And for those later movies, he's like usually the best part. But yeah, even him in this movie is so great. Like there's so many great people coming together. PJ Souls is in this. <laughs> You know, like we've—I've said, like, not my favorite, but like, it's—it's one like if I'm at your house and you turn it on, I'm not gonna be like, oh, this is a—it's not—it's a—it is a—it's a a perfect movie. It's just not my personal style. I, but I'll watch it. I haven't in a while. I probably should again. You're allowed to be wrong, intern. We'll—we'll teach you the right ways here. I said, don't listen to him. He will smash the television if it's on. Like, but. It's, you know, if I was on, I would, even though I don't, it's not my favorite, I would still give it a 10 because it's a 10 movie. Like, like I said, it's just a personal player. I like campy killers better, but this is a, this is the movie. This is, this is the perfect killer movie. Halloween one set the stage for what you expect for a horror movie about a series. Exactly. Especially in the slasher genre. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Halloween horror movies, our number six... Dude, we are at the end of this list. Our number six is Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. The Sam one. Dude, no movie feels more Halloween, and I don't think you could feel more Halloween than Trick or Treat does. No, no, absolutely not. 
Sam is one of my favorite mascots ever. Anytime I see any memorabilia or merch for him, I just really want to pick it up because he's adorable in a creepy sort of way. And I love his character. Anna Paquin's amazing in the movie too. Everybody is putting on such a good show and all these different stories converging into one is so amazing. This is definitely like, if I'm like in a really bad mood or I'm like having a real depressed day, it's like six months away from Halloween. I'm like so far away from it. I will throw this movie on <laughs> and just be like, pretend for an hour and a half that it's Halloween. Yeah. Cause this is like a, you, this is a must watch on Halloween day for me. It's, this is another one where like, I've seen it like a fucking million times, but I love it every time I watch it. Usually like, I would see like how much Sam and uh, trick or treat stuff there is at like spirit Halloween. Usually I'd be like, it doesn't deserve that too big. No, I like it. This deserves it. If Corey wants to give me shit about my, like how I think stay puff is like, Oh, it's too big. It's too marketed. Just, oh, yeah, I will. Just, just throw Sam in my face because I'm like, yeah, I know I can't. It's the exact same thing, but I, I want to point out. The reason I thought that was hilarious when you said too big, I didn't realize you meant popularity because Stay Puft <laughs> is a giant. That's why I laughed so hard the day you said too big. It's because I thought you meant the size of him was too, too large. large. What does this mean? And that's where that all comes from. That's all. It's the least threatening thing I can think of. The problem is I couldn't throw Sam in your face because I, I love Sam myself. Like this is like I love a good anthology movie. But, like, anybody who wants to make an anthology movie needs to have this movie's formula memorized because there is no better yeah. way to do an anthology movie. Than yeah. That. I'm glad you said that because I actually tend to not like anthology movies that much. I'm not big on them. Like, they're not my favorite. I typically don't watch them. Trick or Treat is one because you don't realize it's an anthology. It's the perfect way to do all these stories in yeah, one because it absolutely. flows so smooth through all these stories and interconnects them and everything. Yeah, it's it's perfect. I love it. And usually with an anthology series, there's one where it's like, well, we kind of got to fill some time. So they shove the not so good one in there. I don't feel that with Trick or Treat. We're like, no, I like all of the stories. It takes me a second to realize that we move on to the next story sometimes because, oh, OK, yeah. yeah. Well, now we're into our top five. Yeah. Top five. <laughs> top five. 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 Um, with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, personally, my favorite horror movie and my favorite movie in general. I love this movie so much. I this was I talk about like the movies I watched in elementary school and stuff. This one I was banned from watching because it freaked my mother out so much that she said no. It's going to give you nightmares. You're going to hate it. So it always had this like mystique build up in my head of like, oh, that's like that really naughty, naughty, dangerous movie. And when I finally saw it, luckily it was good enough and like so amazing that I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I still love it. It wasn't like overplayed in my mind, but it's just so great. I love Jim Sidow as the cook. He's like one of my favorite horror actors in general. Like I didn't really talk about him a whole lot in Texas Chainsaw 2 when we that one came up, but he's amazing in that one as well. Like, I wish that they would have done more of these movies with him, even if they just pumped him out, just so we could see more of him. He's so great. Yeah, and anytime I, I think of Texas Chainsaw, I don't think of Leatherface. I think of that dinner scene. That dinner yeah. scene is so creepy to the point that I was super giddy when they put it in Resident Evil 7 as, as, a, as an oh. homage. Um, so creepy that you just don't know what to make of any of this family. 
Yeah, this um, um this is what definitely one that you know shaped my personality as a horror fan. Just um, you know, it's it's. I mean, obviously, the series goes way off the rails later in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the point where this one was so good that even the O three remake was good because they just took yeah. the formula from this one. But instead of a dinner scene, they gave us meat hooks. Right. Instead yeah. of a chainsaw dance, they gave us meat hooks. But I love this movie so much of like, I don't like video games. Like I will usually only play Grand Theft Auto and it's been like that since elementary school. Where when the Texas Chainsaw video game came out, I was like, oh, I'll give it a try. And I actually like was obsessed with it for like three weeks straight of like I became a gamer out of nowhere because it was just so much fun. I've watched this movie so many times that like I kind of knew the layout of the house ish because they use like a kind of a generic ish. Yeah. Yeah. version of it. So I'd be like, oh, I go through here and go where there'd be people running around like completely. Like, I don't know where I'm at. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know where I'm at. This movie just smells bad. Yeah. That's the best that way sounds... I can describe it. And in the best way. Like, they convey that across so good. Um, Sally, at the end of it, is screaming Best. her lungs off, and it's so real and scary. Some people I know are like, oh, the final girl just screams forever. Yeah, you would be. Yeah. And we get Franklin, who is just so horrible. <laughs> It'll be a fun trip. Trip. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the sucking first... on a sausage or a cigar butt or something the whole time. Whatever it is, it's nasty. He's like the first horror character that you truly despise. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, good, yes, kill him. You can't wait for him to die, yeah. Yeah. At number four, I'm assuming the Kubrick version, the movie that I watched during the middle of the COVID lockdown and thought, oh, this kind of makes sense now. The Shining. Wendy. Sally. Darling. Light of my life gonna hurt you you didn't let me finish my sentence i said i'm not gonna hurt you i'm just gonna bash your brains in. i'm gonna bash them right the fuck in <laughs> everybody knows the shining everybody knows the little creepy girls in this in the hallway of the movie you know they, they know the bear costume guy they know red rum it's classic elevators of blood the elevators of blood it's classic kubrick it just it's those long paced out Steadicam shots around the overlook that builds the tension, makes you feel at the hotel. Everything just looks normal, but just something feels off the entire time throughout the movie. It's genius, even though I do kind of feel bad for Shelley Duvall, but it, it's yeah. just such a great movie, a classic. This, this movie from time, I absolutely love this movie so much. I also, this is another one where I was like, I love the movie so much. I need to read the book mm-hmm. of like every like two or three years. I'll go through a complete shining obsession for a while mm. of like the last time it happened. I bought like a few shirts. I got like a bunch of different little merchandise and stuff. Cause I was just buying it all up yeah. of this one movie, but it's just so amazing and good. And it's another one. You watch it over and over again. And it's fun. I, I, I and we can't go on without mentioning the length of Shelley Duvall's cigarette ash. The, the entire movie oh yes. being a joke throughout being a joke that kind of has lived on, but yeah, it's just, it's tense. You you don't know where it's going, and you're not sure if you can trust Jack throughout the entire movie. You don't know what's really going on with him. It's it's, it's fantastic. My dog hates this movie. 
Like, no, seriously, we found out, like, we were watching it, because this is a, this is an October watch for me, me and Mrs. Intern Corey every year. We put it on, and during that opening scene, during the music, my little doggy is, like, ears perk up, he stands up, like, all the hair stands up on his back, and he starts growling and barking at the TV screen. Oh, is that one of those, like, brown note things? Uh, maybe. <laughs> to the point where if I want him to stop doing something, I'll put on the opening theme to The Shining. <laughs> but yeah, this is um, this is a favorite in our house. 100%. It is also, like, such an interesting way, like, a story of addiction, the way it is, of, like, he's trying so hard not to drink. Yeah. And the ghosts just latch onto that. Like, they find his weakness. To where they're like, oh, we just need to make it look like a fun bar party scene and give it yeah. the, the nicest bartender there is. Of he's sitting there, he's like, I haven't drank in six months. Here goes six months of sobriety down the drain. Like, and it makes you think too, like how bad of a person is Jack Torrance? Like, is he really this abusive to his kid, or is that something that was just kind of made up? You don't really know what his character is yet. Right. The entire movie. Well, that was Stephen King's big thing that he didn't like because he was already like a jerk at the beginning when they're driving there and terrifying yeah. his child. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had his chance to make his own shitty version of the movie, but whatever. He learned about cannibalism on television. Isn't right. that nice? Right. He <laughs> learned about it on television. Top three boys. Uh, I mean, number three is the evil dead. You know, the, the movie that started to be here. Uh, like the this basically the the entire you know Sam Raimi run of this was in our top you know like thirty or something mm-hmm. was or at least all in our top fifty which is a tribute to the series but like this the the one that started it all the one that gave us maybe didn't fully set the tone for the series but definitely gave us the notes that we were gonna need to. Have. This is one of the movies I remember when I was in middle school, my middle school best friend was like, we're talking about movies and stuff. And he mentioned the evil dead. I was like, I've never seen it. And he's like, you've never seen the evil dead. And it was one of those ones of like, I'm coming over tonight with my copy and we're watching it. And I did. And we did. And it was amazing. I loved it from the very beginning. This is one of the first movies I remember made me like look and be like wow like how you can tell that this like there's enough seams and stuff you can see where like they kind of made it you know if you kind of get what i mean yeah you can see a little bit behind the scenes ish it's not as well hidden but it made me really like want to dive into the history of the movie and the background of it and like find out about the behind the scenes stuff and then like looking up we're like what's what's the cabin look like now and that's when you find out i was like oh it's just the fireplace and a hole in the ground yeah. like don't but go it's there. still there don't, no, go, don't there. go there well then there's the whole story with that that's so much fun of if you go to the filming location you could get shot by like crazy rednecks <laughs> dude this movie does straight up horror so well in tension building and everything for what's just generic stuff when it comes down to it like walking through a creepy basement when you know something's there you know, there's nothing special about it like we've seen a million movies do that but they do it so well in this movie that you're on the edge of your seat and for like a first time director on a shoestring budget it's incredible yeah. what they pull off it's another well, one so of those... much good so much of this movie is made by the camera angles yes and yeah. what he does with the camera because how many like movies do you it would probably be a lot better but the director's like 
just lazy and it just does a static shot and that's what you get there's no tension building there's nothing that camera is whipping around everywhere there where it he duct taped it to a two by four and went yeah. wading through a swamp i was gonna <laughs> say that sam raimi's directing in this movie is what makes it so good if it hadn't been sam raimi attached to it it would not be the movie it is today and yeah. it's just so much fun to watch because of that weird things you've never seen before kind of thing. And, and it's, it's got that low budget cheat feeling to it that works so well for this style of movie. It's baby Bruce Campbell. Exactly. With a unibrow. <laughs> well, I don't mean to cut our evil dead talk short, I wanna, but I feel Greg, like just I keep it going talk about the evil dead more. Let's keep it going oh. guys. Well, lucky for you, the reason I'm cutting it short, because I feel like the conversation's about to veer here anyway, <laughs> are number two of our 100 greatest horror movies of all time Oops. is Evil Dead 2. Yes. Look, I've always said this is my favorite of all time. Um, mm. This is the perfect blend where Army of Darkness is more comedy. Evil Dead is more straight up horror. Evil Dead 2 is the perfect blend of the two that just gives the greatest thing I've ever seen as its final product. It's just such great slapstick and but still horrific where like when there's the big like everything in the entire room's dancing along with him but the deer head is yes, just demolished and say. his eyes are white and it's like <laughs> the hand cut off scene where he's like i'll show you motherfucker you're not taking me like i was gonna say the, evil... the hand underneath the book farewell to arms which is just funny yes I was gonna say the, the hand flips them off and goes scurrying away into one of like the Looney Tunes, like mouse holes yes. in the wall. The Evil Dead is the perfect like blend of like okay, the first movie is straight horror. You get a little comedy in the next one, and then it goes like where Nightmare goes from like straight horror, straight comedy, straight horror. You know, I mean, it, it blends it so well, and it's so much fun, and it's easily one of my top picks for for a oh, fun yeah. horror movie to throw on. Well, there judging by its position on this list, I think it was a top pick for all. Yeah, it better be. That okay. cutting the arm off scene is always a great. F I don't know how to feel about that scene. Am I supposed to laugh? Am I supposed to be terrified? It's so much fun. Yes, yes, you're supposed exactly. to have all the emotions on that. Right, but um, that happens right after they got the hand doing Three Stooges bit on mm -hmm. Bruce Campbell with mm -hmm. plates. <laughs> um. Yeah. This, like, honestly, like when someone says, "Hey." I'm not into horror. Get me into horror. This is one of the movies. This is usually like one of my top recommendations. I'm like Evil Dead 2, but I haven't seen the first one. Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Well, it's been a long, long road. What well, did we get as a throbbing with horror number one movie? I'm going to spoil one thing, not the title. I'll say, remember, if you listen to our first part of this, I said, if technically all of us rated the same movie as number one, it would get 400 points because the number one was worth 100 points. All I will say is this movie came in with 350 points, so rated nice. extremely high amongst the four of us. Yeah. And, well, real quick, let's go back down through the list. At number 100, we had... Yes! Frankenstein. No! At number 99, we had... <laughs> but, no, it's Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Which, it must of be course. a complete shocker for everybody as a horror movie <laughs> podcast from Pennsylvania yeah. that we ranked right? Night of the Living Dead as number one. But it deserves it. There's a reason that I wanted to go see the Evan City Cemetery on my honeymoon. 
that that was my condition for having to go to a water park. There's a reason why I've visited this same cemetery several times. And every time my wife and my like family are like, why are you going traveling all these hours to go to this one cemetery where they filmed this one? I was like, it's because it's one of the greatest movies of all time. That opening scene is so amazing. It's one of, it's probably my favorite opening scene of any horror yeah. movie of Johnny and Barbara and they're giving each other shit. And then the zombie pops out of nowhere that they're coming to get you, Barbara. We get, get like the line of lines. I I would be curious, somebody who's not from around here and has that tie to Pittsburgh. I wonder how people would rate this otherwise. I oh, know it's, it's extremely a, high. It's still extremely yeah. high. I have so much respect for George Romero. He had a shitty camera that he just took out into the into the woods of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and just filmed this iconic zombie movie that set the tone for every movie since then. And it's just so great to watch. So you talk about inventing a genre. Yes. Um, and and the, like Brett said with the opening scene, like that's probably the most realistic portrayal of adult of an adult sibling conversation <laughs> that I've ever seen in my life. Did like Johnny my brother said, and I, I went went had candy and I said, you ain't going to candy, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's it's it's it, it it there's a reason that I know both of you rated it a ten. I'm sure had Brandon and I been on the episode, we would have rated it tens. Yeah. Like this this it's it, like I said, it started a genre. Yeah, everyone was like, Oh, there was technically zombie movies before I love those weren't what you call a zombie movie. Yes, there's no. voodoo magic and stuff. They're not fucking zombie They're movies zombie at the end movie. of the day. Like this invented Almost probably like a trillion dollar industry when you look at everything zombies have done. It's fucking insane that this dude's mind birthed this. Like, think of all the stories we've told, like, with the zombie genre. Like, not just your typical stuff. Like, different things we've been able to tell and express with this all came from Night of the Living Dead. And thank God it still holds up, too. Because it would suck if it all came from this and you went back and watched it. You're like... That's eh, okay, but uh, doesn't hold it's up. The movie, no, it still holds up so well. It's the yeah. movie that set the rules for how you deal with the zombie apocalypse. That have not I been remember, changed. Yeah. You can tweak it, you can adjust it, but it's yeah. still Night of the Living Dead rules. One of the things I remember that like when I first saw this in elementary school and it like freaked me out so much is because they mentioned Cumberland, Maryland in the movie. Yeah. I'll be like, I I we shop there all the time yeah. when like when I lived where I lived at the time, like that was like one of the closest towns to like actually like have more than just a general store in the fucking corner. But I remember I was like, holy shit, that's like so close to us. Yeah. That all of this is taking place. Yeah. It's that blend of the actual movie with our real life situations where we are that kind of adds to the effect of it. Yeah. But honestly, when I was tallying this up, I was looking at like our top five movies we had like, or like the top 10, we had like Hereditary, Scream, Evil Dead 2, Texas Chainsaw. And I was looking, I'm like, okay, none of these I'd be particularly angry if they won. But when I saw that Night of the Living Dead came in at number one, I'm like, it, nothing feels more perfect and well-deserved, yep. though, to me, as a horror movie to win that number one spot. Yep. So, like, usually, yep. even though I didn't rate it as my number one, I rated it extremely high. But I'm looking yeah. at like, yet nothing feels more right than Night of the Living Dead winning this whole thing. 
Oh yeah. I saw that as number one. I was just like, fuck yes. <laughs> it completely deserves it. Like I've said before with Dawn of the Dead, like there's a reason that we will go to a yearly convention that's all about night, dawn, and day. Like these three movies are so great. And we just went uh in October to the Night of the Living Dead convention in right outside of Evan City. And they have like everyone that's still survive like still living from the movie there. We got to meet Barbara. It's great. Like I, it's so amazing that mm-hmm. this movie, this little movie from rural Pennsylvania, has a con still going on all these decades later. Well, gentlemen, this was very fun. This was very long. This was very <laughs> interesting to see what won. Maybe in a few years we'll do this again with new releases and how our thoughts change on movies. Because I won't lie, one movie came out which I'll leave off because it'll come up another time. Then like, I know, fuck, it just came out and I would have put it on my list. But oh, it was yeah. and Freddy's, wasn't it? No, it's Godzilla minus one. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, like, I, think, anyway, I think all of us would have put that on our list. Yep. But anyway, so like maybe in a few years we'll do this again. Like this was really fun though. So I like seeing what we ranked. I think our list is more fun than most top one hundred horror movies lists. Actually. That's right. The superior list. Yes, a great job, Greg, with coming up with the idea and also editing everything together. You're a godson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate uh, but unless life. you guys have anything else, man. What we possibly have else. What else do we have? Dude, yeah. We've been here for almost three fucking hours. <laughs> what else am I going to have to say? With just this episode. The other one was over two hours. Like We well, hope we three hope hours the... has left your brain with... <laughs> throbs. <laughs> and we hope that the throbbing with horror, top 100 horror movies list has left your brain throbbing with horror. <laughs>